Hello and welcome back to After the Whistle Sports Podcast. And Jack and I are both really excited for this one because it is our uh, long-awaited March Madness podcast. Um, last time we did this last year, uh, it did pretty, pretty well. And um, our bracket actually turned out fairly solid. So we're hoping to do the same thing this year. Again, I'm just going to preface by saying uh, we do a lot of research throughout the season. We watch a lot of games and um, the way the bracket works is just, this can end up being the worst or the best bracket. Uh, yeah. Feel, yeah <laughs> I, I mean, I'm really excited. And obviously we've, you know, watched and looked and thought about college basketball more than 99% of the people that are filling out brackets, but likely our bracket will still end up being terrible. And some girl who does it based on Jersey color will probably end up winning our pools, but yeah, it's going to be fun for sure. Yeah, this, this should be a good time. A lot of like what this podcast is, especially this episode is just um, kind of culminating all the information in the entire season uh, and just kind of appreciating all these teams that have made the field. So uh, we're going to try to spend time on basically every team in the tournament and go through game by game, making our official picks. If you want to follow along and Use our picks for your bracket. Go for it. Um, but with that being said, let's just start off and go right into it. So let's start in the West region with the number one overall seed, Gonzaga. And they were the number one overall seed last year. They are returning a lot of key pieces, such as our Ryan Nemhard, point guard, and Drew Timmy. And then they also just went out and got guys, Rasir Bolton, uh, transfer. They got Chet Holmgren, the future top three NBA draft pick. Uh, anything I'm, I'm not giving credit to Gonzaga to? I mean, number one, two years in a row, you know, they totally deserve it. I mean, a lot of people are like, Ooh, I, don't, I don't know if I trust Gonzaga. They don't know anything about college basketball. They haven't watched any of these games. They're number one on Ken Palm and Porvik. They're number one in offensive efficiency. Porvik has a number five in defensive efficiency. They analytically have zero deficiencies. Uh, their most similar profiles, uh, as, as Torvik uh, compares them, are 2019 Gonzaga and 2021 Gonzaga, uh, like also both number one seeds. Um, they're number two in field goal percentage, only after South Dakota State, who we'll talk about uh, for sure. They're number one in field goal percentage defense. Um, they, don't, they don't shoot that many free throws because they just score. Um, they don't really force them any turnovers because they just make teams take bad shots. Like, I remember watching that game when they played UCLA, and it was just like Juzang kept just chucking up these terrible mid-ranges, and it just looked like, you know, they're, they're smothering. The, ch- the two big men just get blocks all the time, um, and I don't know if there is a team that can knock off these odds. Yeah, and I think uh, for a lot of these top seeds, I think we're going to go a little bit – elementary for their first round matchup and then maybe go more in depth when we go later on to the bracket. But I mean, Gonzaga, they're, they're going up against the 16 seed Georgia state. Um, pick Gonzaga. Yeah. I mean, Georgia state, they're a couple like, again, it doesn't matter. Like this game's not going to be close, but like they are really bad field goal percentage. They're 343rd in the country. Um, you know, they, they won their conference. They don't really turn the ball over much. They do force a lot of turnovers. They let up a lot of threes, look for Gonzaga to make, you know, do a lot of threes, even though their offense kind of runs through those big men. But, uh, yeah, I got the Zags moving on in this one. 
Yep. Now we have a really interesting 8-9 matchup. In my opinion, the best 8-9 game in this tournament. We got number eight, Boise State, out of the Mountain West Conference, a conference that has, I believe, four teams in the field, unless you count Wyoming, because uh, Wyoming's that fourth team in the playing game. But Boise State going up against Memphis with uh, the Penny Hardaway-led Tigers, um, who really turned the season around. I mean, I'm pretty sure we had a podcast a few months ago where we said that Memphis was a complete disaster, complete failure, and Penny yeah. uh, had to go. But this Memphis team is 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 good. Um, they've really finished their season off on some high notes. They they beat Houston a few times. Um, Jalen Duran, I mean, if you haven't seen this freshman play, um, you definitely have to check out this matchup. He is one of the more athletic and explosive big men um, not only just freshmen, but in the entire college basketball. And the thing I like about Memphis a lot is their versatility defensively. Um, Penny Hardaway-led teams are always really solid defensively, I believe. Help me out on this one, Jack. But Memphis has got a top uh, 25 defense in the country. Yeah, they're, they're 20th overall uh, on, on Torvik, and I think they're even higher in terms of just defense. Yeah, they're, they're 23rd defense efficiency, 34th offensive efficiency. This is a team that can guard you in the post, that can switch one through five, they can um, switch a lot of their ball screen stuff, and you really have to come up with a, a solid offensive game plan to be able to attack uh, Memphis's stout defense. So um, I'll let you talk a little bit, then, then we'll give our picks. Yeah. Um, the other couple things about Memphis is they, they're really freshman wet. Uh, Duran and also Bates are really the guys who have stepped up. These guys are like 17 and 18 years old. Uh, but they also have, you know, some veterans. DeAndre Williams uh, has been really good, a defensive presence for them. Um, you know, they're not a couple shortcomings of this team for sure. They're not super deep. They don't play that much of a rotation. They kind of turn the ball over a lot. They don't defensive rebound super well, but they are fifth in offensive rebounding, which I think just sort of speaks to maybe their pace of play. Um, you know, Boise State, I'll talk about them a little. Uh, they're another defensive-focused team. They play very slow, uh, but they're pretty balanced. They really just have not had that much of a schedule. Um, you know, the Mountain West, we talked about it on the last podcast. They have some good teams, San Diego State, St. Bonnie's, St. Louis, Colorado State. I, I kind of think this is an ACC type situation where just because these teams, you know, beat up on each other a lot doesn't necessarily mean that they're that good when you actually look at their numbers. So I think maybe a lot of these Mountain West teams kind of feel like they're overranked, in my opinion. Um, the one other thing I'll note about Boise State is they had a 42 to 37 win on the road at San Diego State. Just like a very odd, odd game. It's an odd team. Um, I don't know. Who do you like? Yeah, I just want to add really quick just a few things. Um, kind of flex my uh, my basketball analysis here, but uh, uh, Memphis is really not that pick and roll heavy. Um, they only go to it about three uh, percent of the time to the roll man and ten percent of the time with the ball handler. But they get a lot of their offense out of spot up shots. They're averaging about zero point nine one points per per possession out of spot up shooting, which is fairly solid compared to a lot of these other teams. And Boise State, on the other hand. Uh, really spends a lot of their offense running off pick and rolls. Um, they have the ability to stretch the floor a little bit more than Memphis. And so that's one thing to to look for is that if this game turns into a three-point shootout, I really think Boise State will have the upper hand. With that being said, I think Memphis defense is going to be uh, too tough for Boise State. Um, 
I believe that Memphis is going to get out in transition and be able to run, and um, it should be a close game, but I feel like Memphis is just the all-around better team. Yeah, I totally agree. I like Memphis to win a close, low-scoring, defensive focus match. Now let's get down to a 5 versus 12 matchup. And uh, 5 versus 12 matchups, at least come tournament time, are the ones where you see a lot of upset picks happen. Um, a lot of people fill out their brackets trying to get at least one 12 seed to upset a 5 seed because it has happened, I believe, once every, what, six years or so? Or like, yeah. like for the last six years, there's been a 12 seed that, that's moved on and advanced. I think so, something like that. Um, and New Mexico's a very formidable 12 seed. Um, they're actually pretty solid uh, in terms of their efficiencies. I just really like this UConn team. Like, I believe UConn has what it takes to make a Sweet 16 run, maybe even an Elite 8 run. Um, I feel like that their size inside with Adam Sonogo is not going to be able to be matched by New Mexico State. And for those reasons, I feel like UConn's got the upper hand in this matchup. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. Uh, I think UConn is really good. They're an offensive team at heart. You mentioned Sonogo. I think he's averaging 15 points and nine rebounds a game. Uh, also, senior guard RJ Cole, another huge piece of this team. Really just one through five, you know. Isaiah Whaley, this team is really good. They're number one overall in offensive rebounding, which is definitely going to give New Mexico State problems. They have veterans with tournament experience. They've had they've had struggles staying healthy, which is why, you know, maybe they, they're ranked a little bit lower than I think their potential could be. Um, I watched very early on in the year, them play like a double OT game against Auburn. This was before Auburn was like a top five team. Auburn was like a top 25 team, and UConn was like, I don't know, 15. But it was the best game I watched the entire year. It was like 110 to 108. Like, it was a phenomenal game. Uh, this team's really good. They, they play very slow. Uh, they don't. They haven't done great against other slow teams, but they've taken care of fast teams from my look at their schedule. I like this team a lot. I don't know if I agree with you that I think New Mexico State's that great. I kind of think they're a little overranked. They turn the ball over a lot. Um, their only good win is against Davidson, which, like, again, is solid, but, like, I don't know. I think UConn wins and covers whatever, you know, 12 yeah. points spread or whatever. One other thing wow. to note is in terms of, we talked a little about their offense, but UConn's defense in the paint, at least, has been really, really good. Uh, I think right now that they're 11th in the country in terms of uh, defensive percentage of field goal attempts that come at the rim. So they really force opposing teams to beat them over the top on the perimeter, shooting threes. And that's just really not New Mexico State's game. And so... I think it's a it's a pretty like for comparison, New Mexico State uh, is uh, I think forty seventh in terms of their percentage of field goals that come at the rim. So they rely heavily on dominating the paint against bad walk teams, and yeah. Adam Sonogo is going to uh, swat those balls usually away. So I just want to make one quick note before we move on. Um, New Mexico State does have a couple of guys who can really score the ball. Teddy Allen is a uh, I believe a transfer from Nebraska who uh, is just a really good isolation shot creator, shot maker. Um, and then they have Jabari Rice, who's another player who is in the 92nd percentile in spot up shooting. So they have two guys who can create their own offense on the perimeter, but I don't think they're going to be able to battle inside in the paint. So I got UConn there too. All right. Next Let's matchup Arkansas, Vermont. Um, I know you really like Arkansas. 
Their defense is really good. They're ranked 14th. Um, they've, they've won lately uh, over Kentucky and Tennessee. Those games were at home. Here are the things I don't love about UConn. I mean, not UConn, sorry, Arkansas. Um, they only shoot 31% from three. There's a problem come tournament time, for sure. They had a stretch where they lost five of six games, all to non-tournament teams, including Hofstra and Elon. I mean, they're playing better right now, but they had a neutral loss at Texas A&M just, you know, a couple days ago, who, like, I think Texas A&M should be in the tournament like, over and over again, but whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't love this Arkansas team. Vermont, on the other hand, I think is very solid. They're third in field goal percentage in the whole country. They're first in defensive rebounding. They don't really turn the ball over. They play slowly. And Arkansas hasn't played great against slow teams. Uh, I mean, they beat Florida. They beat Mississippi. They split with Mississippi State. They beat Missouri, which are, like, all the slowest teams in the SEC. But, like, these teams are terrible. And, like, these games were all close. And, honestly, like, I think there was another stat that, like, a 13 has beat a four in, like, the last three or four years. They have. I, I, I like believe... Vermont in this one. Yeah, so you kind of, like, already – I've stated my opinion on Arkansas many times in this podcast, but this is one of those matchups where I'm kind of just upset a little bit because both these teams are teams that I really, really like. And I believe that like both those teams have the opportunity to actually make a run in this tournament. Like Vermont is not a 13 seed that maybe gets a lucky upset against Arkansas and then goes away in the next round. Like if Vermont gets hot, they could, they could go pretty far in this tournament. Um, With that being said, uh, I just want to make a couple of points as to why I believe Arkansas is not only poised to win this game, but to make even an Elite Eight Final Four run, okay? Arkansas has guards who have played in the tournament before, who can create their own shot and could be effective when needed. J.D. Note is arguably one of the most improved, improved players in the SEC all of last year. Really quick guard, can get a shot up over anyone, great creator. Um, even the best defenses in, in the SEC, uh, like LSU and uh, Kentucky, weren't able to handle him very well. And then we look at the other guys that, that are surrounded. And I really like Jalen Williams. Um, he's a big guy who can handle the ball. He's a ma- mi- like mismatch nightmare. Like To guard Jalen Williams, you need to have a guy who can't who can not only challenge him vertically, but is also able to frustrate him on the perimeter, which I don't think there's many guys in the country who can do so, especially not in Vermont. And then on the Vermont end, um, this is just like a, a well-run, efficient team. You know, Vermont reminds me of those Yale teams a few years ago who would just like yeah. beat teams like in the first round of the tournament just because they ran an incredibly efficient offense. The problem with Vermont I think is gonna they're gonna try to rely so much on their post up offense. Um, they go to the guy uh, Ryan Davis, who's in the ninety seventh percentile in post ups with one hundred eleven attempts in the season. You mentioned that they're a pretty slow team, and sometimes a slow team can um, really get the advantage over a team like Arkansas, who runs a lot in transition. But I don't think this is the case, um, especially in this matchup. And for those reasons, I like. Arkansas to win, but you know, if, if we're, we're going to have to concede somewhere, so. Uh, you know, I mean, like I'm willing to take Arkansas if you really, you know, are that like they could make the final four and, I, and you know, like, do I think they'll win? Like probably, but I'm just saying in terms of brackets, like 
you know, if, if you think a four versus 13 team game is going to be pretty close and, you know, obviously yeah. 85% of the country is probably going to think. I mean, I would for sure I'll say, say like, if I think this game's three o'clock, maybe like I would for sure uh, skip work, tune into this one because, <laughs> um, or school. I know we have a lot of, uh, actually, no, don't skip school kids. Um, <laughs> but skip this game school, should be. Watch college basketball all day. No, but this game this game should be a, a really good one. But let's move on. So we got Arkansas going through to the round of thirty-two. Um, this is another interesting matchup. We got Alabama as the sixth seed going up against the winner of Rutgers and Notre Dame for the eleven seed. First of all, I, I just gotta say right now, um, Notre Dame should not have made the tournament. I, agree. I feel like that's a that's a fairly um, non-controversial statement. I believe, but here's the thing. With that being said, I don't think Rutgers even wins that playing game. I think th- I think Rutgers is not very good either. Like, I mean, tell me two- you would not rather see Texas A and M play SMU than these two teams. I would much rather see Texas M- Texas A yeah, and M play SMU. Listen, okay, I I know that we like focus a lot on on Big Ten stuff on this podcast, but I mean, we've seen Rutgers all year. Like, this is not a team that you should feel comfortable with winning any game. Um, they have a guy, OJ Amorier, who's uh, a really good big man. He can, I think, I believe he's 6'10, really long wingspan, can stretch the floor. Um, of course, they have Geo Baker, Ron Harper, but we've seen this story before the Rutgers come tournament time. I, I just, I don't like big, slow guards like Ron Harper Jr. and Geo Baker in the tournament. And that could just be something with not even backed up by any data, but I feel like, um, those guards end up getting bogged down, especially when there's a lot less fouls called in the NCAA tournament compared to the Big Ten. I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, we saw, we saw that exact thing play out with Rutgers against Houston last year in the – Yeah, but that was, that was a different type of thing because like we said on the last year's podcast, Houston versus Rutgers was going to be a slog fest between two teams with limited offenses and absolute – like. I mean, people left with black eyes in that game. That was, that was a physical matchup. Yeah, I don't I think mean, Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame can actually lose to this Rutgers team. And yeah, I'll, sl- I'll slander these teams a little bit too. Notre Dame is two and eight in quad one and made the tournament. That's terrible. I mean, I, I, honestly, like, I don't really like this game. Like, I don't think Bama is that good either. Like, their offense is is, is ranked twelve. They play very fast. They turn the ball over a lot because of that. They foul a lot because of that. They're only shooting 31% from three, which is like a very large departure from last year where they were shooting very well from three. They have 13 losses, including two in quad three, which is Mizzou and Iona. They have some weird good wins. Like they beat Gonzaga on a neutral court and they beat Baylor. Uh, but like they basically needed to score 95 points to win all these good games. And when you can't shoot the three, like if you miss a lot of threes, like and even if you play that much in transition, you're not gonna, you're not gonna beat these teams. I, I mean, I think they're gonna beat either Rutgers or Notre Dame. You know, well, Rutgers has a lot of stupid wins at home that you know make their resume look very inflated. I think A and M and SMU are more deserving than either of them, and like, whatever. But I like them. Yeah, I'm gonna say either team who Rutgers or Notre Dame who makes it through um, into the field. I, I believe Alabama beats both those teams, to be honest. And I would love, you know what? Like I said, I want Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame's going to win, but a Rutgers versus Alabama matchup would be either the most disgusting basketball you've ever seen 
or it'd be like the best. Like there's nowhere in between. Yeah, I agree. Rutgers, I believe, led the Big Ten in steals. Um, <laughs> and they're a team that really likes to slow it down. And I'm I'm looking at the shot chart right now. So I have the shot chart for Alabama pulled up, and you could see only red dots around the three point line and in the paint. <laughs> Nothing around the perimeter, around the mid range area versus Rutgers. Who's basically the complete opposite. They got dots all over the place. And I think a lot of the reason for that is Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr. just being able to do what literally whatever they want on the offense. Um, with that being said, I agree. Bama should beat both these teams. Um, I think NATO has this team ready in the tournament. Uh, we saw it a little bit last year, but they just don't have the talent they did last year. So. The one thing I'll add about the playing game is that, like, if you play a game and have less rest, that's going to hurt these games, too. Yeah, but uh, I'm pretty sure there's a statistic that also says, and I think in the last four tournaments, there's been one play-in team who's won their first-round matchup. So just putting that out there, just like we're big, big statistics guys over here. But um, let's move on to a three-seed Texas Tech against 14 Montana State. And this is yet another team in this region that – it's just a grinder defensively. Like to me, I'm looking at this region and I'm seeing teams that are so tough to score against. Um, well, I mean, Montana state, like there are some three seeds that are going to struggle. I feel like in this tournament against their 14 seed, I don't believe that's uh, uh, Texas tech against Montana state. Yeah, I 100% agree. Montana state is, is not a good team. I think Texas tech is going to win and cover the spread. You mentioned defensive I mean, they're, they're number five overall in Torvik and number one in defensive efficiency. I mean, coming in with a new coach in their first year being the number one defensive team going into the tournament, I mean, wow. They Texas Tech turns the ball over on offense a little too much, but besides that, they're really elite in every stat. They force a lot of turnovers, especially in the Big 12, which is very impressive. They swept Baylor. They beat Tennessee. They played close games with Kansas and Providence. This team is very legit, and I, I think they're going to win at least two games in the tournament. Yeah, Montana yeah. State. Montana State is pretty bad. Yeah, they're I mean, they're, 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 they're bad. Like I don't know why they're not a fifteen or sixteen seed. To be completely honest, um, I think okay. If you look at it, like if you look at that, like you know how it's like, oh, the committee cares about analytics now. Like basically, they just rank like every one of these like thirteen through sixteen auto qualifiers by like. All right, whatever you're at at the analytics, we're just gonna place you there. It's just kind of yeah, but in my opinion. I'm gonna talk about it later. There's like teams that are on the 15 and 16 line that are better I than agree. Montana State. I, I definitely agree. Um, it's just it, that's just odd to me. And then talking about Texas Tech, again, like their defense is just so good, and um, I really actually like what they can do in transition with Terrence Shannon Jr., who's a really good spot up shooter. Um, just a good player in general. I believe he's shooting, yeah, 37% from three um, with about 10 points per game, three rebounds per game. And then they have uh, Kevin O'Banner, and you might remember him from last year's podcast too when we talked about Oral Roberts. But transfer from Oral Roberts, he has tournament experience, and he has tournament experience playing really, really well. So I'm really interested to see what this team can do. And to me, I'm looking at this Texas Tech roster again. They just have a lot of pieces. I believe they have, what, one, two, three. They have five players that are 6'6 six, six or above. Like, they basically Ooh. run their whole starting lineup 6'6 six, six or above. They can switch everything. Um, their three-point shooting is a little bit uh, 
scary. Like I believe even in their uh, wins, they're only shooting 33% from three, which is, I mean, it's fine, but. I mean, but that's I, not like, really who this team is. No, they're not. No, they're gonna they're gonna play defense. They're gonna force you to take bad shots. Yeah. They're gonna run in transition, and they're you're, they're gonna finish around the rim. So, we both agree Texas Tech's got that into the round of thirty-two. Now we have a really interested interesting seven versus ten matchup. We got Michigan State going up against the ten seeded Davidson uh, Wildcats. Am I correct on that? Uh, I believe it's the Wildcats. I think Wildcats. Yeah, uh, it's it's some sort of cat, right? It's got to be. I think it's wild. Yeah, let me look it up. Um, okay, but um, Michigan yeah, State. Haha, <laughs> Michigan State is such an anomaly because, um, to me, they're a little bit like basically every other team in the Big Ten in the sense that they do everything fine and their metrics are really good. Like the metrics are pretty good, but they don't have anyone on this team that I'm confident like to get a basket. Like whenever they need it, like Gabe Brown is the guy who has leads the team in points per game, but I, he's so on and off too. Like, yeah, uh, Max Christie, the the freshman, is just—I mean, he's Max Christie. Like, I, I've watched a lot of Michigan State yeah. this year, and, and I know I'm like not going to just go off of the games that I've watched, but there's nothing that jumps out for me on Michigan State. Like, this is one of the more boring teams, in my opinion. In college basketball, yeah, they, I think this is like they're so mid. They're so mid. they they defend like, fine, and they their offense is built like mostly in transition. Like they don't even do much half court stuff, to be honest. I mean, AJ Hogarth's like, and AJ Hogarth and Tyson Walker are like solid point guards. I wouldn't say that they're like guards who can get you to a Sweet Sixteen. I don't know. This, this team is they got a lot of guys. They got a lot of role players. But like role players don't. They, win they need. They need a star. I agree with you. This is a very puzzling matchup, in my opinion. Um, Michigan State was in was in a free fall before the conference tournament. They lost seven of nine. Um, neither of these teams really forced many turnovers. Davidson plays very slow, which Michigan State's obviously used to in the Big Ten. Davidson's offensive efficiency is quite good. They don't turn the ball over very much. They're very good defensive rebounding or wise. Uh, they, they shoot 38% from three, which is eighth in the country. Again, like, you know, is that some of that because they play in a conference where they get shooters open? Maybe, you know, I like Davidson and yeah, I I don't know. I mean, this is a good team. Who's like, just like, even I feel like come tournament time, like when you've just won that many games, like it just is so good for like team chemistry and like, I, I don't know. I think they, I think they take care of. A very underwhelming yeah just a just a quick note on davison um they do have which is a really interesting matchup they have foster lawyer as um basically their top player averaging 16 points per game on wait a minute 44 percent shooting from the three-point range wow okay and if you remember foster lawyer he was the backup maybe like third backup point guard on michigan state last year so a little uh Interesting matchup for Izzo and Michigan State against their former player who's now Australia revenge tour. Revenge tour. But no, no, no. Like, you think that 44% from three is a really good three-point percentage, right? On, on 164 attempts? Yeah. Well, what about this? They have another kid, Hyun Jung Lee, who's averaging 16 points per game 
on 38% from three on 204 attempts. Okay. But wait, (laughs) wait, wait, wait. There's more. Like what? More guys shooting over 40% from three? (laughs) Oh, wait, wait, wait. Mike Jones. Mike Jones. Okay. Another kid on this team, 6'5 junior, shooting 42% from three on 160 attempts. This might be one of the best three-point shooting teams we've ever seen in the tournament. Like, they have four guys who can just absolutely light it up from three-point range. And looking at the games that Michigan State has lost, they've all been to teams where they've let up, like, basically over 39% three-point shooting. Um, I think Davidson wins. Like, I'm actually fairly confident about this pick. Yeah, yeah, you know, I agree. I mean, you see, like, Michigan State, the teams they've struggled against are, like, they lost by 26 at Iowa, which is, like, another one of, like, these very similar teams. Uh, yeah, Wisconsin with Johnny Davis. I, I agree with you for sure. Listen to this, Dad, too. When the opponent, when Michigan State's opponents have a three-point percentage better than 35%, they're five and six. Dang. Yeah. Huh. So. I, and they're I, definitely going to shoot at least 30. I mean, it seems like they're average. They're just like, he is a team. They're shooting, like. 37%. As as no, a team, as 38%. a team in wins, they're about 40% three-point shooting when Davison wins games. Yeah. I mean, no, that, yeah. that is really, really good. So I Emmer think Davidson both, money line is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I mean, I think we both agree Davison's going to win this. And you know what? Like, we're going to get this in the second round, but I don't think that's it for Davison. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about who their opponents might be. We got number two Duke versus number fifteen Cal State Fullerton. Um, this, uh, you know, before we obviously talk about Duke, who's like obviously going to win, like Cal State Fullerton, this they should not be in the tournament. This is a Mickey Mouse championship against the rightful Long Beach State. We 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 love Long Beach State here on the podcast. This team has CS Fullerton has zero quad one wins. And four quad four losses. And they are always Coach K. Yo, there's always room for one quad. Okay. There's zero so far. Zero quad one wins so far. <laughs> Can you imagine if they knock off Duke and Coach K's last game? That would be <laughs> listen, awesome. listen, if if Duke and Co- if Coach K's last game ends with a loss to a team whose logo is literally just an F, <laughs> it's it's for okay, look this up. It's literally just a orange F. Cal State Fullerton Titans. You couldn't make a Titan or something. You couldn't like yeah. have a little lightning bolt. I don't know. <laughs> That's bad. Okay. Well, you want to talk about win. Duke or should I talk? Yeah. About I mean, I'll talk about. Actually, you talk about Duke now. I'll talk about Duke in the second game. Okay. Well, I think Duke is overrated, and I think everyone, like, everyone who knows anything about college basketball agrees that they should be a three and Tennessee should be a three. But this team is very solid. They beat Gonzaga. You know, they just lost in the AC championship to Virginia Tech. The ACC, we've, you know, if you've listened to podcasts before, we're not big fans of their basketball this year. But this team, you know, very good, but very human, uh, led by, you know, likely top three pick, you know, Paolo Mancaro, uh, have Defensive Player of the Year, ACC Defensive Player of the Year, Mark Williams, you know, they're fourth with an offensive efficiency right now. They don't really foul. They're second in free, like, free throws let up, which I think is a testament to, you know, Coach K's coaching. Um this is a good team. They, they have, you know, I think they have national championship potential, but I also think they have second round exit potential. I agree. Um, I, let's try to hurry this thing up. I'll just move Duke over because I think we both think Duke's going to win this round matchup. And okay, so I think what we're going to do now is we're going to go through the round of 32 teams for the 
West region. Um, and just continue on with this for each re- yeah. region. Um, so now we go back up to the top. Gonzaga against Memphis. This one should be... I think this is one of those games where Gonzaga starts off a little bit slow because they're struggling a bit against Memphis's defense. I feel like Timmy might struggle a little bit against a guy like Duran, who's just so athletic. Um, and we saw it a little bit last year with uh, Tamu Chachua. Tamu, hold up. Last year in the championship game, on the, the forward from Baylor, <laughs> Joe Tamu Chachua. Okay, I kind of butchered that name. But uh, we saw that faster guys can can cause Drew Timmy to have some more struggles. But I just think Gonzaga's transition play is so electric um, that I, I honestly don't think Memphis can score enough points. Yeah, I mean, I like Gonzaga too. It's just like at the end of the day, they just have too many scorers, I think. I mean, Memphis is great defensively. They have three or four guys who are very good defenders. You know, Gonzaga's defense is, is going to smother Memphis. Um, uh, yeah, I just – you know, Memphis is very good, I think, and they're going to have a very hard-fought first game, assuming they move on. Uh, you know, Penny, like, these freshmen have done, you know, are, are, you think they're going to go to the draft, both of them? Probably. Um, well, okay, so here's the thing. So Bates is not, first of all, Bates is not playing right now. He's he's still injured, I believe. Is he, oh, uh, really? He's not gonna be still bad. injured, and because he reclassified and he, he's still only like 17, I think, or something like that. Is he still, I mean, he, he must just turn 18. He's, he's not eligible for the NBA draft this year. So, oh so God. he's staying for sure. Oh my God. This Duran, guy's birthday was in 2004. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Duran, Duran is, is um, leaving. He, he's projected top 10 pick. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Well, yeah, I like Gonzaga. I mean, you know. Yeah. I, I think we could move them along. Um, Let's move on to what should be a really awesome 4v5 game, Arkansas against UConn. Um, this one to me is also interesting. I actually think Arkansas has a better matchup against UConn than against Vermont. Like I think Vermont poses more threats to, to Arkansas' style of play. Um, again, like I, I've, I've been riding with Arkansas this entire time. Like I believe guard play is what wins you these games in the tournament, and there's no... Well, I'm not going to say that, but um, a guard that I definitely would, would, would like to put some stock in is uh, J.D. Note, which I talked about earlier. Um, I just, I mean, I'm a, like the supporting cast of Arkansas is also like really solid. I mean, Stanley Umude, I, th- I believe that's how you pronounce it. Audius Tony is really good. I, I talked about Jalen Williams, but like Devontae Davis can, can provide some um, shooting off the bench. I don't know. Like, I, I just... A few I things. Think, okay, continue. I, yeah, I, I was just going to say, I, I agree with you. I think Note is really good. I think RJ Cole is a senior, and I think he is going to play up to that, you know, up to his potential in the tournament. I think another thing is, if if we're pretty sure UConn is going to beat New Mexico, if, if we're more sure UConn is going to beat New Mexico State than we are that Arkansas is going to beat Vermont, like, math-wise, it makes sense to pick UConn. Oh no! Because there's a for chance sure. that Arkansas won't even make for it. For sure, for sure. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I, yeah, we're gonna go UConn. Um, but that should be a really good game. I agree. That should be good. I think if UConn wins this game, it's going to be because because RJ Cole is gonna basically take over. 
And it's like, and Arkansas is big. Like, he's, he's good. He's good defensively. But I think, like, Sonogo is just, like, a bigger impact on Williams. Yeah, but you know? Sonogo is not going to be able to defend Williams. Like, like, I don't think you understand, like, what this Arkansas team does. Like, they don't just do, like, Williams is on the perimeter just as much as he's in the paint. And so, like, to force a guy like Sonogo to come out and guard Williams basically along the three-point line, I feel like that's going to be an issue. For, for It's interesting, and that might it might hurt UConn's rebound, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. So, we'll, we'll advance UConn for now to the Sweet 16. Um, six versus three matchup, Alabama against three Texas Tech. I really like Texas Tech this year. Um, I think that their defense is just a little bit too much for Alabama. Um, Alabama against really like solid defensive teams hasn't done all that much. Um, I mean, they beat guys like Gonzaga, but again, Gonzaga's like not the best half court defense. Texas Tech is, I mean, they got athletes all across the floor. They can run with Alabama. Um, I feel like this game is going to be whoever has the most points in the paint is going to end up winning this game. Cause I think they're both going to struggle from three, but I like Texas tech. Yeah. I don't think we need to talk about it too much. I like Texas tech too. I just think like Bama is not ready for the kind of defense. Like the only teams in the sec that I feel like are playing even remotely the same caliber defense, like LSU, Auburn, maybe like, I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. Like I think Texas tech, like, yeah, this is a dangerous team. Uh, let's move on to the 10 seed Davison Wildcats against uh, Duke at the number two seed. Um, this is a scary game for Duke. You're going up against a team with a lot of seniors, um, and we know how that traditionally turns out um, in matchups between older teams versus uh, a team like Duke who has a, a ton of freshmen out there. And listen, like when Duke's – players are all focused in locked in ready to go and playing their best ball they're not gonna lose but i just think that i feel like davison is a is a a tough matchup for them not in the sense that i do can definitely score on davison i just worry about duke's defense a little bit against like a smaller just grittier team yeah i mean especially team that shoots that many threes and it's hard to know like whether it comes tournament time a lot of these teams who shown flashes of being the best team in the country or a top five team in the country or even you know memphis like a top 25 team in the country is going to show up and that's the whole thing but i mean i, I don't know I, I would be okay with taking davidson like do i think Duke's gonna win? I-, I mean the only other thing i will say is like the whole thing we just talked about with yukon odds wise like if we think msu has a higher chance of being davidson than Yes, yeah, but I, I think I think MSU could beat Duke too. Yeah, no, that's a, t- a team that's going to beat Duke is going to be a team that can really get down, get gritty, and basically force Palo Bancaro to do everything by himself. Like if you take AJ Griffin and Trevor Keels and some of those other guys like out of the game, basically, which you can do, which Virginia Tech which did we've just seen a few teams days do. ago. Yeah, Virginia yeah. Tech. Yeah, if you can take those other guys out of the game and just be more physical, you can beat Duke. I mean, it, it's not like Duke hasn't shown that they can completely implode on themselves. So, I mean, I'm fine taking Davison if you, if you want to do that too. Let's do it. All right. So now we have our Sweet 16 matchup in the West. Uh, let's go up to the first matchup, Gonzaga against UConn. Um, I think Gonzaga runs these guys out of the gym, to be honest. Yeah, 
I don't I don't think it's a good matchup for sure. Um, uh, I mean, UConn's like, been pretty good against some of these quick teams who play in transition and you know slowing it down. But Gonzaga, in my opinion, is just like a different caliber. Like I don't I, I don't think UConn, especially uh, especially the matchup between Nemhard and R.J. Cole. Like Nemhard's one of those guards who can actually match up R.J. Cole and just. Like you don't need to to hedge ball screens at all. Like you could just let him do his work. Like um, the end of the day, yeah. I just think like Gonzaga, like UConn doesn't have two big men that can guard Timmy and Chet. Like, well, they're, no, they're gonna... they. I think they go Jordan Hawkins to guard Chet. Because Hawkins, isn't, Jordan, isn't he like six eight or six nine? Okay, okay. Hawkins is six five, but he's like the most athletic kid on the team. Like he he can. I feel like that would be what they're gonna do. Like I mean, maybe, him. but like you, like you, you think Chet's not gonna drop twenty five, a seven one dude who shoots threes on somebody who's six five? I don't know. I mean, I mean, Chet goes against guys who are six five all the time in the West Coast Conference. Yeah, I mean, and that's why Gonzaga's won thirty games yeah. or whatever. But okay, but like, who who guards him? Tyrese Martin, Isaiah Whaley. I agree. This is a bad matchup. I think Gonzaga's gonna win. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we're just coming up for reasons why Gonzaga's gonna win even more. <laughs> yeah, we we are. I mean. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right, let's move on. Uh, the other Sweet 16 matchup, Texas Tech against Davison. Um, Texas Tech, man, like, they're just so gritty. Like, they can play in – their team's built for March because they have guys that can go to, to create their own shot. They have pretty solid guard play, and their defense is just incredible. Yeah, I mean, they they, they don't – They especially on the perimeter. Like, Davidson, the reason if we think they're going to be, you know, Duke and Michigan State are just, like, they're gritty, they're small, they're quick. Texas Tech is just like not happening. Like I agree. Let's move. Yeah. On. So, so we're gonna move Texas Tech out there. Then in our Elite Eight matchup, Gonzaga against Texas Tech. Who do you got? Gonzaga. Like I, I don't know. There's not. There's not much to it. Like I mean, like I agree. Texas Tech is very good. Like an Elite Eight run. You know, by like this region is like not all that. I don't know. Like. I just I, I find it hard to believe any of these teams can beat Gonzaga. What do you think? Um, I kind of agree. I, I think I think Gonzaga has shown that um, there just there needs to be a specific team that can beat Gonzaga. And I will say, like, I think Texas Tech fits that mold. I mean, if you look at the teams Gonzaga has lost to this year, they've all been really high in defensive efficiency. Um, we talk about like teams like Alabama. We talk about teams like uh, you know St. Mary's. Um. Texas Tech, I feel like if they were to win this game, they're going to need like an absolute masterclass by Terrence Shannon in transition play. Or, or like they're going to need Bryson Williams to just like shoot 60% from the field, which. Yeah. I mean, I also think like in the games we've seen Gonzaga lose, which is like, well, like Duke, St. Mary's, it's like they just win by shooting such a high percentage. And like, I mean, yeah, but- Gonzaga's going to score like. The, I mean, I the know. reason St. Mary's beat Gonzaga was like not because their offense was also good, it's because like they actually got enough stops to run in transition. Okay, I agree. Actually, that St. Mary's game is different. That was the least amount of points Gonzaga scored the entire year by a lot. Yeah, it, and um, that was a that was a defensive masterclass, by the way. But yeah, okay, but but I mean, like the game when they lost against Bama, like Bama is not going to shoot what they shot and score like. Nobody's going to score 91 points against Gonzaga, uh, like, unless no. they, they a, a miracle happens, which, like, in some cases, it does, where Bama shot nine for 23 from three when they're, yeah. like, 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we got Gonzaga moving on as our first Final Four team. Now let's go to the South region with Arizona as the one seed going up against the winner of Bryant against Wright State. Uh, Bryant is is terrible basketball team. Like they're just bad. I honestly think that like there are like Glenbard West. I mean the the, the team in Illinois uh, like high school team. I think they might be able to beat them. But Arizona. I mean, dude, we'll talk more about Arizona once we move into the other matchups. But I believe we're, yeah. we're fine moving Arizona in. Sure, we we don't have to talk about Arizona too much yet because I think we'll probably move them on a few times. But this is Brian's first tournament appearance. One thing I do want to stop here and say is that I because since it's the first like sixteen sixteen playing game. I don't think 16-16 playing games should exist. I think if you win your conference, you'll be in the tournament. I think that um, the at-large teams would be the ones that have to – all the 11 seeds you have to play in play-in games for 11 seeds. I think if you win your conference, you should get a shot at beating one of the top teams in the country. Okay, okay, Sorry. you say that, but can I just give you some of these stats for Brian and Wright State? Okay, tell me if these teams belong in the tournament. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay in terms of um, – adjusted points per possession right so that's like tempos taken out it's literally just like you put them on the floor in a bubble and see how many points they score every possession okay brian and wright state are far below longwood and delaware the other teams in the south region who are low seeds brian is even coming in at 1.02 points per possession average in a bad league that's, that's, that's not terrible. good that's not good. I agree. But I still just think on principle, if you win your conference, you should play. But Yeah, but what if it's on. like a foo-foo conference? <laughs> well, then, I, I mean, that's the whole beautiful beauty of the tournament. Like, otherwise, these guys Jack, who Jack, always hold commit up, hold up, to play a foo-foo <laughs> D1 program can, I, can never smell the tournament. At least this can, gives them hope. Jack, can, can I hear – I just want to, like, make sense of what you're saying here. So, you want to get rid of these 16-seed playing games and instead – where would the other team go? Only what? one team can get it. Are there gonna be what six, six, sixteen seeds? <laughs> no, like then those are fifty. Like they move everybody up. Okay, so okay. you're telling me this is gonna be like Longwood is a twelve seed? No. Or like Wait. Chattanooga is a twelve seed, and then move Longwood to a thirteen seed? Like, yeah. I don't so, know. I don't know. I just think you can make. <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe you're right. I don't know. It just feels unfair. I just want justice for Texas Southern. Okay, we'll talk about that later. But because the, these teams didn't steal it from Texas Southern, there's one team that's our enemy number one for the podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. And when we get to them, we'll make sure to to draw attention to it. But <laughs> sorry, I'm just I'm just still stuck on these Wright State and Bryant shooting charts, and they're so bad. <laughs> like, how did these teams win their conference? Anyways, um. Let's move on to the 8-9 matchup. I feel like you know a lot about these teams, so I'll let you take it away. But number 8, Seton Hall, going up against the 9 seed TCU. Yeah, I really like TCU in this one. Um, I, I, I think Seton Hall has benefited from the, the Big East being much better than it typically is. I think most of the Big East teams are overranked, in my opinion, except for like Villanova, who thinks it's actually legit. TCU, they turn the ball over a lot, but they are second in offensive rebounding. They have like seven guys who are rebounding four plus times every game. They are deep. Uh, you know, Seton Hall, had, they are 312th in field goal percentage. That's terrible. They are solid at offensive rebounding. They're solid defensively. I don't think this is going to be a super high scoring game. 
maybe take the under is my unofficial gambling advice. But uh, I think TCU is like much more battle tested in a much, I mean, like what, like sixth or seventh in the Big 12, maybe. And they're still yeah. like, in my opinion, going to blow Zeno out of the water. After, after more research, I agree with your take. Um, Seton Hall is, is one of those interesting teams that seems to just win games because they like have players who just get under the other team's skin. I'm talking about guys like, like Jared Roden, like Miles Kale, Kadari Richmond. Um, I mean, heck, even like Bryce Aiken. Like they have all these like yeah. six, six, three, six, four, six, five guys, like wings and guards who just like don't do anything super well, but all of them can hit a shot when they need to. And they, they run a lot of isolation ball, which um, I feel like is, is an interesting thing to note. Kadari Richmond's a great player. Jared Roden's another great wing. I just think TCU is playing on another level right now. Um, and and I, honestly, like I thought TCU would have been flipped. I feel like TCU should have been the eight seed and Seton Hall should have been the nine seed. But yeah, throwing that agree. out, I think I think TCU. I agree with you. I think the nine seed ends up winning this matchup. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get down to a, a fun game. Number five seed Houston against twelve seed UAB. And now, if you are looking for your twelve seed over five seed win um i feel like this one's got the best chance because uab is really really good and houston has struggled at times i mean they've had a lot of injuries but they've also just been inefficient at times i mean their defense is houston defense it's classic but their offense can can tend to struggle i mean they have marcus sasser who's um been injured i don't know if he's gonna be able to go he might be out for the year, but um, I don't know who they go to. Maybe Fabian White is, is the guy they go to on offense. Yeah, it looks like Sasser is probably not going to be in for the first game, but definitely it's a potential to come back later, but I, I don't um, And then, like, like, Fabian White is not a guy who's, like, a 20% usage, dude. Like, he's a guy you want out there to rebound the ball, get putback dunks, and – maybe get like a couple of post touches. He's not a guy you want to run your offense through. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the, like the analytics team, we talked about this a while ago, not on the podcast, but analytics kind of lie in terms of Houston. Maybe it was last week on the podcast. I don't know. I think it was, They're yeah. second in Ken Palm right now. They're tied for second with TCU in offensive rebounding. They're very solid all around. Three of their five losses were two-point games against Wisconsin, Alabama, and SMU, which are all good teams. They basically ran the conference besides two losses against Memphis. They really do not have any impressive wins. UAB is an offensive team. They shoot the three ball very well. They play slowly. It's definitely going to be a half-court game with a lot of defense. You know, I think UAB keeps it close. Uh, Ultimately, like, gun to my head, I think Houston wins this game. But in terms of upset picks – I mean, I'm I'm okay with taking UAB. Another quick note on UAB, just some like names to watch out for. Jordan Walker is the Conference USA Player of the Year. Um, he's incredible. I mean, he, a five eleven guard, and he's shooting forty percent from three point range, including fourteen for thirty five um from the three point line in the, in the Conference USA tournament. He's just a, like a really solid player. The thing I worry about with UAB is that they're just going to be pushed out of their offense completely by Houston's just chaos 
I mean, Houston's one of those teams where you need guys to be able to kind of uh, weather the storm a little bit and stick with their offensive stuff no matter what. And I don't know if UAB has like enough pure scores to do so. And they also just don't have that much size in general, which I, I believe can pose a problem. Yeah, I mean they've got they've got some some of these guys are shooting like Jordan Walker shooting forty one percent from three on two hundred seventy five attempts. I mean they've got another senior, uh, Erdl shooting thirty nine percent on one hundred fifty five attempts, and like those are really the two guys that that score for them. I mean they've got a couple other big guys who sometimes do stuff, but I kind of agree with you in that this is gonna be this is gonna be a tough one. But uh, I don't know. What do you want to do? Um, I mean, I feel like people are going to want us to pick UAB, but like, I kind of think Houston's still going to win. Like, I don't, I don't think this is Houston's demise yet. Like, I've, I, that's going to come. Don't worry. But I, I don't think this is like the point where Houston loses. I mean, assuming, yeah. All right. Let's say Houston. Sure. But, okay, but if UAB upset happens, you can also say, we'll also say we called it on the podcast. Yeah. We're so. pretty wishy-washy on that stuff. Oh so. yeah. So every game we can say, ah, look, look at us. Yeah, I know. We go back to like Vermont. We're like, dang, we almost picked Vermont. Like you heard. I'm actually first, gonna take though. Vermont in my bracket though, so whatever. But um, but yeah, let's talk yeah, about I Illinois like Chattanooga. This is another very interesting game. Illinois Chattanooga. Listen, give me Chattanooga. I'm gonna start off with my pick, and wow. then I'm gonna give some give give some explanation for those at home. Illinois is a good team. Um, Kofi Coburn is Kofi Coburn. Super efficient, shot blocker, rebounder, just uh, so hard to to handle. Um, he can't pass like at all. Like double teams will actually do some work against Illinois. The thing about Illinois that I really like is that they have like basically besides Coburn, all guys who can shoot the three ball. Alfonso Plummer is the best three point shooter in the Big Ten last season. Uh, Trent Frazier is another guy who can just go Trent Frazier mode and do his own thing. Basically put up nine points in like four minutes. Uh, Curbelo is, is, has struggled at times, but he's a pretty solid guy at, like as a point guard, a secondary ball handler to, to Frazier. Coleman Hawkins is an interesting piece. Um, he really doesn't fit anywhere. He's kind of just like there a lot of the time and is doing very small things, such as like getting an offensive rebound. You're like, oh, he's actually playing the game instead of just standing around. But... Uh, <laughs> We know Illinois. What we don't know is Chattanooga. So I'd like to touch a little bit on Chattanooga. So in terms of their net ranking, they're 63rd, which, which is solid. Um, a little bit lower in, in, in Ken Palm um, at 72. Their strength of record is also a little bit lower. But they have guys who can just straight up score the ball, which is what I'm trying to get at here. Um, Malachi Smith is the Southern Conference Player of the Year. I mean, dude's an absolute bucket, averaging 20 points per game on 41% shooting from three, 54% shooting from, from twos. Um, this seems also like a really solid free throw shooting team, but that's not really what, where I want to focus. Uh, they have a kid by the name of David Jean Baptiste, who's another senior who's able to basically score the ball at will from all three levels. Uh, Silva... Silvio de Sousa is a bigger guy who's going to struggle to guard Coburn, but I believe they're just going to double the entire time, which is if I was Chattanooga, that's what I would do. I would literally just double him every time, just hope that uh, guys like Plummer and Frazier like, aren't going to get open as much. But 
Illinois' defensive ratings, I feel like, are a little bit skewed. I don't think they're as good defensively as they actually seem on paper. And I mean, I just think Chattanooga is a really, really strong 13 seed, and Illinois has just been hitter. Like, they've been good. They won the Big Ten regular season, but again, they've lost some questionable games in very questionable ways. Um, I, I don't think Illinois is such a strong four seed, to be completely honest. Here's my thing I agree with a lot of what you just said. I think Smith, D'Souza, John Baptiste, these guys are dogs. I watched this game against Furman. They're like championship. I mean, it was Furman versus Chattanooga. That second half was one of the best halves of basketball. I, I mean, the game only ended up 62 61, but I don't know if you saw like on Twitter, like the videos of the final three. Uh-huh. Like the game was awesome. Um, This is a senior led team besides Smith. You know, I think it's a really good team. I agree with you. are a strong 13 team. I know a lot of people are going to pick this up, Seth. I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far. I, you know, I focus a lot of analytics in a lot of these games, you know, we'll continue to. But Illinois, it's just the story is just one dude, and that's Kobe Coburn. And he is just like, I, you, I know it's like he's doubled, but then I just I feel like that opens up. I don't know if they're going to that's sustainable to double him. But Jack, game, Jack, you can double him. Teams have beaten him and doubled him. Penn State, I'm pretty sure, doubled him, and like they're really bad, and they only lost by five recently. <laughs> I don't know. Here's my thing. I think that this team has – Kofi was in Frazier. These guys played in March last year. I think they're going to be very mad after last year having lost to Loyola Chicago. They're going to be very mad after losing the Big Ten Championship. I think this team is going to be fired up, and I think they're going to – they're not going to get upset by Chattanooga. Like, I agree it's possible. It's a great team. I, I, like, I hate putting my faith in Illinois. Like, this is just, like, blind. Like, I have a gut feeling, but it's just, like, I don't think they're going to stop Kofi. Okay, okay. So so for the benefit of the irony later when I clip that and say Illinois will not lose to Chattanooga, I'm going to pick Illinois with you along like to, just to go with this bracket. Um but listen, you you best know if Chattanooga wins this game, you're going to be hearing it, okay? I like Chattanooga. I, 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 Ch- I hope at least Chattanooga listen. wins this game. I really listen, do. Listen, what would you place the the spread at? I think it is out. Like what what would you play like put the spread at right now? For Illinois, Chattanooga. Illinois minus six and a half. Illinois, okay, so that's currently Kempom says Illinois minus seven and a half. Okay. I, I think I that's mean, gonna be closer. I mean, dude, like think about what you're saying, bro. Torvik Tor, our Torvik rankings has Illinois winning seventy to sixty-three. Like, you really can't think of a, a like a scenario where Chattanooga wins that game. I do. I'm telling you, I do. I think they're a great team. I'm just telling you, like, I don't think Illinois will lose two bad games in the tournament two years in a row. Okay. 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 We'll we'll put Illinois through. Um, we're going to the six versus eleven matchup. Colorado State as the six seed up against number eleven Michigan. And I know if Yoss was in here, he'd be really angry that Michigan got that eleven seed over Indiana. Yeah. But, I mean, Michigan was objectively the better team. You know, like a road win against Indiana by 18 points is um, way better than a, what, like three-point neutral site win for Indiana. So, I mean, I'll leave it at that. Um, all the advanced analytics had Michigan better than Indiana, by the way. So, <laughs> okay. Now that that's over with, I'm super excited for this matchup, not just because I'm a Michigan fan, but because, like, I actually think both these teams are pretty solid. And, like, both these teams are teams who could maybe win another game in March. 
we know Michigan. We've talked about Michigan all the time, um, much to my demise, because we usually talk about him after a loss. But Colorado State is the team I want to highlight a little bit more. Um, their offense is, I mean, one of the best in the country. Like, they are so efficient in terms of running their sets. Uh, they're averaging 1.4 points per possession on cut on cuts. And that's just like their basic sets, which is second in the country. They also have guys they can just go to to hit threes and basically do anything they want. Uh, David Roddy is a 6'5 junior. Showed up on NBA draft boards a little bit. Um, he's shooting 45% from three on 100 attempts. He's averaging 19 points per game, 17 rebounds, and three assists. I mean, dude's an absolute bucket. Maybe my favorite player in March. I don't know. Um, like, I really want him. I don't want him to win because, I, I, of course, I'm going to root for Michigan to win this game. But I would be so fine with David Roddy going on a March Madness run. Like, I think the world could benefit from that. Um, with that being said, though, this is a tough matchup just because it's basically who can adjust better defensively. Both these teams don't play a lick of defense. Um, Michigan, I mean, Michigan can't stop anyone. But Michigan can score, okay? They have, what, four or five guys they can go to at all times to score the rock. Hunter Dickinson's going to be a problem down low. Uh, I believe Devontae Jones, who's been playing a lot better recently, um, is going to be a tough matchup for the Colorado State smaller guards. I'm going to say Michigan's going to win, and that could be a homer pick, whatever, but I want to hear your opinion. Yeah, um, I like Michigan, too. I think it's a very interesting game because the 11 seed is analytically ranked, like, 20 places higher than the 6 seed, which, like, you never see happen. Colorado State's offense is great. Their field goal percentage is very high. They don't really rebound offensively. Um, Michigan's rebounds well. I just think any team that is in the preseason, what were they like three, four? I believe, I believe there are six. Six? Okay. Still, Juwan Howard's had his fair share of whatever is going on. Um, but, but I do also like Michigan in this one. Okay. So we'll advance Michigan here. That's like one of our only upsets so far, besides Davison. But just a note, just a just... Okay. Like taking both nine seeds, so. We have taken both nine seeds, but those are basically toss-up games anyways. Uh, yeah, let's move on. Like yeah. uh, okay, I get another matchup I really don't like because both these teams are teams that I thought may have gotten um, the short end of the stick in their selections. Tennessee should be a two-seed. They should. Um, they're, I mean, their analytics are off the charts. They're a good team. Uh, with that being said, it's it's Rick Barnes in March. We know how that ends. Um, Tennessee loses a lot of games in March Madness. Like, I, like, look recently, they have all the talent. They lose a lot of games. They're going to win this game um, just because they're so good defensively. And Kennedy Chandler is one of those guys who you just want to root for in the tournament. Longwood is a sneaky good 14 seed. Okay. Like... This is the first time in Longwood school history that they've gone into the tournament with the auto bid. Um, with that, they stand no chance. I mean, Tennessee is a bad matchup for anybody, but like Longwood, that's that's tough. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Tennessee should be a two seed. They're ranked third in defense. They're ranked seventh overall analytically. They just won the SEC. They've been battle tested. 
uh, you know, sucks for Longwood. First term in program history. Um, it's a senior-led team. Interesting fact, of their 32 games, 20 of them were against quad four teams. I mean... Yeah, so they're basically uh, Notre Dame. They're basically Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, good luck. Longwood Lancers, it's a sick name, but I don't see that. <laughs> Too bad. I mean, just a note, the only actual team Longwood has played is Iowa in the first game of the season, and they let up 106 points. Yeah. So, I mean, tough draw. Tough draw. Um, seven, Another 7-10 seven versus 10 matchup. 7-seed Ohio State taking on number 10-seed Loyal Chicago. This is going to be a popular pick, I feel like, for uh, Loyal Chicago just because we've seen what they can do in March. Um, of course, they lost Poe to Moser. Uh, I think Loyal Chicago is good. I don't think they're Ohio State level good. And and we've seen a bad Ohio State. Like right now, like their last few weeks have been bad Ohio State. And even bad Ohio State, I think, can beat Loyal Chicago. I, I just think EJ Liddell is a handful. Um Ohio State's going to need some guys to step up who haven't performed well recently. But I just think Ohio State's offense is going to be a little bit too much for a, a good loyal Chicago defense. Yeah, I think there will be a lot of people screaming, take loyal Chicago. Like, listen, like, all you know, they've made all these runs before. Don't do it. EJ Waddell is, is that guy. This Ohio State team has term experience. They've been much more battle test in the Big Ten. Loyola Chicago is a new coach. They play a half-court game. Both these teams are going to play slowly. They take time to get their shots. I agree Ohio State hasn't played great of late, but don't don't listen to these people who are crying, you know, crying yeah. false and, alarm. And, but last thing I'll say, what, you want to talk about Kyle Young? I think he, like, yeah, has I, I been hurt, but I think he's going to be back. He should be back. He's had a concussion for the last few games. Um, he should be back, and they need him because – their front court depth is basically non-existent. I mean, they have E.J. Liddell, they have Zed Key, and that's that's it. So um, they need him back. A guy to look out for in this matchup is Malachi Branham, who's a, a freshman showing up on NBA draft boards, who's the Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Um, since, uh, what is this, February 1st, Branham has 24 assists Okay, in that streak. And then from January to March, he's averaging 17 points per game. So, like, this is a kid who's figuring the college game out, peaking at just the right time. And I, I think Ohio State wins. Yep. Okay, let's move on to two-seed Villanova against 15-seed Delaware. Um, Delaware's got a really cool mascot, if you don't know, but um, they have a really Blue bad hands. basketball team. They are the Blue Hens. <laughs> uh, yeah. Villanova's good, dude. We'll talk about this later when we go through this, but I mean, actually, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. Uh, let's go back yeah. up. Round of 32. Number one seed. <laughs> I assume you're going with Villanova, too. Yeah, no. I We, we don't need to time. I mean, Delaware is like, they didn't really rebound. They played pretty slow. This game is not going to be close. Okay, let's go on to the round of 32 in the South region. Uh, one seed Arizona against nine seed TCU. Um, 
All right. Well, I can I can say some stuff about Arizona. I've watched them play quite a few times, including in person. They are ranked sixth overall uh, on these analytical websites. They're seventh in offensive efficiency. Um, they play very quickly. I think uh, they're the big men are the heart and soul of this team. You know, obviously, besides Benedict Matherin, who's their scorer, who's a first team, you know, contenders All American. Christian Coloco is a huge defensive presence at seven foot one. Uh, Balo also seven foot one when they're both on the court, like it's like a Gonzaga type vibe, except like these guys actually like weigh a lot. Um, Yo, wait, is that subtle shot at Jed Holmgren? <laughs> a little bit more of a subtle, yes, more than subtle. Weirdly, this team does not like def- defensively rebound super well, despite that. But um, Tommy Wood in his first year has done a great job. I mean. After being under Mark Few for so long, uh, you know, he's going to be the coach of Arizona for a long time, in my opinion. Um, you know, Arizona had a tough loss to Tennessee where they probably could have won, but I think Tennessee was up like 15 after like two minutes. Um, but Arizona basically has not slipped up the entire year. They they have one loss on the road at UCLA. I mean, UCLA is so good at home, so that makes sense. Um, and one loss on the road at Colorado. But like they're 25 and 0 against squads two through four, which is super impressive in the coach's first year. Uh, I think TCU is, is, is great. I think they'll beat Seton Hall, but like I think the Arizona team is, is a different level. Of yeah, I mean, dude, Arizona is a different breed. I I will like to mention that Kara Krissa, um, I believe point guard, went down with an ankle injury uh, in the mm-hmm. conference. I believe the conference semifinals. I'm not sure if he's going to play or not. I've been hearing so, mixed reports. I think he will not. Uh, but he posted, fun fact, go to Twitter. He posted a picture of, like, his ankle, and it looks horrible. It looks like there's no way he's going to play in the whole thing. <laughs> okay. But he said, like, he captioned <laughs> it with, like, I'll be back or something like that. Like, so, I like, the Arizona athletic trainers probably are having, like, you know, hypertension right now. Um, but, yeah, so – I mean, he, he's a big part of that team. He definitely is a big part of that team. But I think even without them. Like, oh, yeah. So I mean, you, you mentioned uh, Matherin and Coloco, Galen Terry. Um, maybe you didn't. But uh, Azulos Tubelis has just been a rock for that team. Like, him and Matherin are maybe, like, the two best wings in the country. Just, like, combined. So, TCU, yeah. I mean, they they have athletes, but they have nowhere the athletes that Arizona has. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. So let's let's move on. We got Arizona moving on, but Houston as a five seed against four seed Illinois. Um. This again, is like gonna, this could also be UAB Chattanooga. We'll say, but yeah, I I would kind of like UAB Chattanooga. <laughs> I don't know. Let's let's let's. Well, what do you think will happen if Houston does fail? Yeah, so if this matchup does come to fruition, um, I think this is a game where Brad Underwood is going to like rip his hair out going up against Houston. <laughs> I mean, Illinois prides himself on on being able to be intense on the defensive end of the floor, showing a lot of different looks. They might go um, a little bit of like a full court trap. They might go like a one three one. Houston does that, but like. At a completely different level. Like, I, I believe Houston is just Illinois, but, like, with athletes who are, like, mean. And, like, it's not, like, mean in, like, a bad way, but, like, Houston has just that chip on their shoulder. 
With that being said, I don't think Houston has any perimeter threat, which I and, and Illinois has, I mean, three or four guys that can do that. Kofi Coburn, this is like maybe a prop bet hot take, but I believe Kofi Coburn will get a technical in this game. Um, I believe that's, I mean, maybe even Brad, I feel like, I feel like there's going to be at least two or three technicals in this game. Um, both these teams are like just junkyard dogs, but I think Illinois has too many perimeter weapons in that matchup. Huh. That's interesting. I mean, it's, it's clearly going to be a scrappy game and I, I don't, I mean, who on Houston is going to guard Kofi Coburn? Like, and this, this um, is they have guys, like, Fabian White. They can put Fabian White on him. This feels like a team where they could definitely double Kofi and still be. They don't need to, Jack. They don't need to. They don't need to double Kofi. They have guys. I kind of like Houston. I don't know. I mean, okay, okay. Who you who? Okay, who are you telling to score at the rim or even on the perimeter? Like Illinois perimeter. Yeah, you know really, what? Really without good. Marcus Sasser, that's a good point. They really, they're really a different team without the, their score basically. Yeah. All right. I'll take, we'll take oh, yeah. Illinois. We'll move Illinois on. Uh, Eleven seed in Michigan against three seed of Tennessee. Um, this is a really good matchup for Tennessee. I feel that Michigan struggled when they go against teams who can actually um, play some sort of defense or, or some semblance of defensive pressure. I think Michigan is just going to be completely rattled in this matchup. That's what Tennessee does to teams. Um, I mean, I, I think Tennessee wins this game. Just pretty simply. Yeah, not much to it. And the other thing is, like, Colorado State could also be the one. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I, I think Tennessee's matched up really uh, Then let's go on to the bottom side. We got Ohio State as a seven seed going up against two seed Villanova. I mean, I hate to go all chalk, but, like, Villanova is a much better team. Yeah. I mean, Ohio State's. I think I, I really think they're winning against Loyola Chicago, not that much because Ohio State's a juggernaut, but because Loyola Chicago is like not all that this year. I think Villanova, we haven't really talked about it. Colin Gillespie, I mean, is, is there has there been a point guard in the country that's been better than Colin Gillespie this year? Well, let's see. No, no, okay. I, they don't exist. I, I don't really think so either. The just is it Justin Moore, Justice Moore? Um, Justin Moore. Justin Moore has been another like really good wing score. Villanova plays super slowly. Defense is really, I feel like empirically been their strength, but weirdly off their offensive numbers are better than their defensive numbers. Um, yeah, I just like don't like I, I think they're gonna handle a Villanova is one of those teams that for some reason, like they aren't talked about. Like I, I see these these big time media guys, college basketball media guys. And they have these random teams making big runs, and I never see Villanova there. And I mean, they have a tough bracket, I think. Like, they do, but like, like what teams are actually better than Villanova this year? Like, just straight up, like what teams? Like, name the teams better than Villanova that you're confident are are just like up and up until this point in the season are better basketball teams than Villanova. Arizona, Gonzaga, Gonzaga Arizona. No, I mean that, just Gonzaga, like. Gonzaga and Arizona, and then, like, I don't know, maybe Kansas, maybe Auburn, but, like, I'm not confident in that. I don't know. Villanova, I agree with you. I think this is, like, an auto sweet 16. Like, I have to say this now, they're going to lose to Delaware. But, like, this is, like, <laughs> yeah. the easiest. 
I mean, come on. You have so many sound bites. I can't wait for like we have we have oh by the way, just a quick shout out to our Twitter. Um we have started that. Uh Jack's running that right now. So please make sure to like if you like the podcast, uh follow the Twitter. Follow we have Twitter. a lot yeah. we have a lot of stuff going on. But I was gonna say like the Twitter outtakes after like these first round games where like Villanova loses in their first to Delaware, it's gonna be crazy. I will, um, besides, besides while I'm on a flight to Mexico, I'll try and tweet during some of these games. Yeah. Some of the guys you didn't mention on Villanova are guys like Jermaine Samuels, who's basically runs like as a forward, bigger wing. Then they, they run Eric Dixon as like their big man. Um, they have a small lineup, but I actually think the small lineup works for Villanova because they're able to switch everything. They are able to space the floor. And ba- like just let Colin Gillespie like – Colin Gillespie had a season-ending injury, um, I believe, last year, which is the reason why he's able to come back this year. The kid has, I mean, he is Mr. Like NCAA basketball. Like when I think of college basketball, these Big East basketball, I'm thinking of Colin Gillespie. They're gonna make a run. Um, and Villanova should win this game, though. Yep. Okay. Now we got basically an all chalk, three sixteen. But I, I mean, that makes sense for the type of teams in this conference in this uh bracket but this region is a gauntlet i will also this, say dude, I think this the is best a gauntlet by, probably by far i think baylor's region is pretty good but we'll get on to that a little bit later too but this has definitely got some electric teams one seeded arizona matched up against four seeded illinois i think no question arizona <laughs> i mean again like arizona will have to guard coburn and but they've got he, they've got the they've got those guys like Christian Coloco like he's good he's really yeah good. He's uh, like, I mean, shut, like to be fair I mostly watched him against like our you know non mobile like traffic cone bigs like Miles Johnson and Cody Riley and you know but I, I I watched Arizona play Tennessee and I don't know it's just like like Arizona just has so many guys who can score. And I just think Illinois does not have so many guys who can play defense on so many scores. Okay, I agree. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, mean I, I, I don't think it's like a super high probability that Illinois wins, but I just think like they, they have a chance to. Like, I mean, yeah, I think they obviously they have a chance. Whatever, like, but like a, a much better chance than I think some of these other, like some of these other four seeds would have against their one seeds. Like, I mean. I mean, Maybe. Illinois. Okay, whatever. We've talked about Illinois a lot. Let's let's we'll talk, talk about, about the other matchup: Tennessee against Villanova. Uh, they did they they played earlier in the year, I believe. Okay. Oh, maybe they did. Um, but I'll start off by saying I think Vill. Listen, I I'm a huge Jay Wright fan in general. Like, I think his team is built for March. Wait, I I no, I think they did actually. They did. Okay, so yeah, that was I right. think yeah, Villanova beat Gonzaga by they're not Gonzaga. Villanova beat Tennessee by eighteen in like the fourth game of the year in November. Okay. Um Jay Wright's a much better coach than Rick Barnes. And and I don't Tennessee's good on paper with their with their fancy stats and stuff, but the roster doesn't have as many like guys I'm comfortable with scoring the ball. Like Kennedy Chandler's a great guard. He's a freshman. Like you don't know how he's gonna react to Colin Gillespie going up against him. Like that's a matchup where Colin Gillespie's gonna eat. Like he's gonna absolutely feast against Kennedy Chandler. He's a great player, but 
I just I've seen this before, right? Like you see Jay Wright just pick on younger teams. Like uh, Villanova is too much firepower. I feel like for Tennessee to handle. Yeah, I, I mean I agree. And another thing is Nova won by eighteen on the road too at in Tennessee. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, I mean they had Colin Gillespie like. I mean, Nova shot thir- – like, they didn't really shoot very all that well. They shot 37% from the field and still won by that much. I mean, Tennessee shot 18% from three. The defense was just smothering. I mean, Tennessee's were 53. I don't know if they scored that few points in any other game the whole year. Um, a lot of people like Tennessee. I mean, I think they're a great team, and I think a Sweet 16 run. Um, and I don't think they should have to be in this bracket and play Villanova anyway. I think they should be a two in a different bracket. But I like Villanova as well. Okay, Elite Eight matchup, Arizona-Villanova. Just, I mean, this is going to be a coaching clinic put on by both these guys. With that being said, and I acknowledge everything Arizona's done this year, but I, 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 I want to give the edge to Villanova in this matchup in particular because I feel like Villanova is one team capable of taking Arizona out of their super fast offensive movement because they're really good defensively. And again, like like senior like guard play is what takes you over the top in these games. And while Arizona's got guards, I mean they have we don't know if Chris is going to be able to play. We, we don't know what the deal is on there. I like I mean this could be a hot take, but I like Villanova in this matchup going to the final four out of this region. I don't think it's that hot of a take at all. Um I, I think Arizona like I, I agree totally that this will be maybe the first time Arizona will truly be just absolutely taken out of their comfort zone. They have played a lot of good teams. Arizona played against um, – oh, wait, sorry. Before – you know, Arizona actually played Illinois already? Yeah. Then they, <laughs> yeah, they I won on that. the road. Okay, yeah. whatever. Point is, <laughs> um, Arizona on the road – I mean, they played Tennessee, who's one of these – you know, good, like they played a lot of really good offensive teams like UCLA, USC, you know, uh, whatever. But I don't think they've, they've played like a defensive uh, experienced powerhouse, especially this well coached like Villanova. Let's send him to the final four. Nice. So we got two teams in our final four, halfway to go. We might pick up the pace a little bit here. Um, yeah, I like this might be a longer episode, but the, this, this is, is definitely those... going to be a longer episode, but this it's is... the longest episode of the year. So yeah, sorry. this is one of those things where you just like put it on every time you drive back in the next few days. Anyway. <laughs> this might, yeah, you might have to, to, to do this in chunks, but yeah, <laughs> we're having fun. So it's okay. Um, number one seed in the Midwest got Kansas against the bid Steelers, complete frauds of teams. If you go to this school, I have zero respect for you. Um, it is, uh, what is this? Texas Corpus Corpus Christi. Texas A and M Corpus Christi. Texas A and M Corpus. Okay, Texas A and M Corpus Christi. This is where the okay. podcast is taking so long. You can't pronounce anything. Uh, listen, that's a hard one. Okay, um, they're going up against Texas Southern. In the there's a lot of Texas teams, man. In the 16 seed playing game, uh, which Texas Southern should rightfully not get, but you know, I was like super on that train, and now I kind of look at their stats and like they're not very good, but it's fine. Um, okay. Texas Anyways, Southern, Kansas you know, they were 0 and seven, and then they've won they've 18 and five since then. Interesting fact. Yeah, I mean, 
every time I've watched them play, they've won. So that must mean they're really good. You know, Texas Southern beat Florida by 15. How about that? That's a, that's a nice stat. That's a nice stat there. Okay. There, <laughs> Ken, yeah, Kansas, Kansas moving on. Freedom. Let's go. We'll talk let's about go. Kansas. Later. Yeah, all right. Um, another great eight nine matchup, San Diego State against number nine seeded Creighton. Um, I like Creighton. I, I I think you said before you like San Diego State. I think Creighton's a really interesting team in terms of just like their makeup in general. Uh they have a huge center, Ryan uh Kackbrenner, who's a, a big seven footer, who's just like looks like he doesn't even belong on the court, but is Erasing shots and and finishing plays, uh, and they just got like another power forward and Ryan Hawkins, who's a, who's a solid player. They're really good on the off on the the offensive defensive glass and also blocking shots, which is, is an interesting statistic. But um, yeah, San Diego um, State can't score. I'm sorry, they cannot score. That's true. They cannot score. And actually, when we talked yesterday, I was going to take Creighton and then I like looked into it a bunch today and I'm going to take San Diego State they're second in defensive efficiency in the country yeah but yeah but Jack Jack they play, first of all they play in the Mountain West okay which I, is, I know that's a, it's kind of a gauntlet I don't know yeah but but no um <laughs> it's a solid conference it's not like Creighton turns the ball over a lot they don't really force any turnovers San Diego State's going to play very slow they can't I score they cannot score, Jack. Hammer the under. I agree with that for sure. All right. I, I don't well, know. No, 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 no. We, we conceded on some other picks with me, so I'll concede on this one. I'll give you San Diego State. Okay. Okay. We'll see. okay. <laughs> okay. Number five seeded Iowa against 12 seeded Richmond. Um, Richmond shouldn't be in the tournament either, probably. They kind of got lucky winning the A-10. We talked about the A-10 on the conference championship podcast. We did, like, and we said it was going to matter. That was the reason. No, but, and we were like, here's six teams that can win the conference, and none of them were Richmond. I'm pretty sure we picked all the quarterfinalists besides Richmond. I think so. I think so. So, go Spiders, I guess. Uh, good luck against Iowa. I mean, yeah, good, like, good luck. Like, Can you score over 80 points? Like you have to. That's the prerequisite. For... Yeah. I mean, How about a hundred? Like this Iowa, Iowa the... team is the hottest team in college basketball. They've won twelve of the last fourteen games. They are second in offensive efficiency and third in not turning the ball over. I mean, the specific players we can save for their next matchup. Yeah. Um, but you know, Richmond, they just had three great wins in a row, rattled them off against DCU, Dayton, and Davidson. Congrats on the tournament appearance. Congrats on the round of sixty-four. Let's move on. <laughs> Providence, South Dakota State. And I wish I had like a button where we could click that and say like upset alert. I mean, I'll just do it. Should I just do a voice? Upset Should I just do alert. Like, like upset alert. Okay. Yeah, solid. <laughs> it's that point in the podcast which is unhinged. Um, <laughs> South Dakota State. Listen, we get to, pro, talking about Providence is one thing. And talking about the fact that Providence is really overseeded as a four seed. Um, they don't do anything all that well. They just win close games, which I guess that's like a metric you want to track for March Madness. Go for it. But their net ranking is 32. Not that impressive. Uh, their average opponent, Kempom, is 141. So like they haven't really Ooh. played anyone. Um, they did beat Wisconsin, though, so that was a nice win. But... This team is just, they, they win games they shouldn't win. 
in weird ways. But we talk about like I don't like it's hard to put this team into words because they're so interesting. Like Al Durham is a really good player. Like transfer from Indiana. Um, I believe he's what uh, averaging thirteen points a game, three rebounds, three assists. Good player, Nate Watson. Good player, senior. Um, Ed Cooley's done a fantastic job at Providence, winning the uh, Big East regular season. But they're not like they're to me. They're more of a five or like maybe even a six seed than a four seed. I mean, here's the thing. I think they blindfoldedly stumbled into this four seed. They're 45th in analytics as a four seed. Like, everyone's like, this is going to be the most popular upset pick in the entire bracket. Rightfully so. I know it's like, oh, everyone picks the same upset. Take this upset. South Dakota State will win this game. Providence's last two games, they beat a very bad Butler team by four points in a game they very easily could have lost. And they lost to a very, very mid Creighton team that we just talked about. By 27 points on a neutral court, South Dakota State is number one in effective field goal percentage in the entire country. They're number one in three-point percentage in the entire country. They have won 30 games. They do not foul on defense. They've won 21 straight games. They played Bama close on the road in the very beginning of the year. South Dakota State will beat Providence, period. Hey, one name to look at, Baylor Stearman. Okay, the Summit League Player of the Year. The junior is averaging 16 points per game, a whopping eight rebounds per game at six six, and five assists per game. Wow! I mean, I mean, what? Yeah. Plus, he's shooting 47 percent from three on listeners, <clears throat> 170 attempts. Oh my God! Get him in the what? League. Put put yeah. this man in the league. Doug Wilson's got a sick name. He's also a, a starter on that team, averaging 16 points per name. They got Zeke Mayo. Like, this might be the all-name team, honestly. This is like I Final Four, Final Four. Like, I wish they were playing any other five teams. That's not the hottest team in the country. But let's talk about LSU versus Iowa State. We're okay so with ju- moving on South Dakota yeah, State. Yeah, just to be clear, we're moving South Dakota State over okay. Providence. So, upset alert, upset alert. Um, upset alert. Maybe the worst first round game besides the 16 ones versus one seeds or the 15 seeds versus two seeds is the six seeded LSU Tigers minus Will Wade, who we've been very vocal in our uh, what is what are you just saying? Is it like almost like targeted attacks at Will Wade? Um, I love LSU as a team, but like hate Will Wade, so I'm glad he's gone. But uh, <laughs> go up against the weirdest team in the country, number 11 seeded Iowa State. Um, Cyclone with their new coach too. With their new coach, man, like I don't know, like flip a coin, honestly, like literally flip a coin. Yeah, I, I can't. I, mean, I don't even want to talk about these teams. They're, they're so interesting. I don't really want to talk about them either. I will say one thing. I think Iowa State will turn the ball over fifteen plus times this game. LSU 15. in the SEC. LSU, okay, LSU. Obviously, the SEC. Everybody plays fast. They don't care if they turn over the ball, but. LSU second in the country in forcing turnovers. Defensively this year, they've just been really good. They're eighth in defensive efficiency. They're fourth in three-point defense. And you know what? Iowa State mentioned weirdest team in the country. They they've they were top. There was a week a podcast we did where like is Iowa State legit? Like I'm, I don't know. I mean they have they have the one the one score. What the heck's his name? I'm blanking on it right now. Um, but 
I don't know. I I agree. I don't really want to watch this game, but I yeah, think you, you're talking about Isaiah Brockington averaging yeah. 17 points per game. Um, I don't believe Iowa State's good. I, I really think they're like. I, I think low key like they fooled us. They had us fooled for a they, little while. No, no, no. They had you fooled. I remember coming on this podcast saying Iowa State was such frauds when they were ranked in the top ten. I don't know if I'd watch one of those games. I don't know if I'd still watch <laughs> like, one of those like games. honestly, like this game is like a crap against humanity. Like why? Why is this? Why is this even on? Whatever. I'm gonna pick LSU just because. Ugh, this game is gross. Gross. Like humanity. Gross, gross. Continue. Um, three seed Wisconsin in Milwaukee going on to play fourteen seed Colgate. I like Colgate. They're, they're a good fourteen seed. They were in it last year and gave, I believe, Arkansas some troubles for the first half. And Wisconsin shouldn't be a three seed. I feel like we all agree on that. Jack, any any complaints there? Um, I think the UCLA Bruins should be a three seed. Okay. Um. Anyways, yes, anyways, I do agree. Uh, Johnny Davis got injured. Is I feel like about two games ago, one game ago, um, I believe against Michigan State. We don't know. Is he not going to play? We don't know. So again, like we don't know. I think Wisconsin wins either way in in Milwaukee. Like that's basically a home game. Colgate's good, but I don't think they're as good as last year. To be completely honest, um, Colgate's what 120th in compound. Pretty bad. Wisconsin, as much as I would like them to lose in the first round, I think they escape this game. I'm pretty sure Johnny Davis actually played in the Big Ten tournament after he, the Nebraska injury. Wait, he played after that? I think, oh, maybe so. I'm just I think he's going to be ready. But you you mentioned, yeah, games in Milwaukee, which, like, again, like, whatever. We can move on Wisconsin. Like, this is another, like – God, this whole let's move on. Continue. Let's move on. I, I don't really like this this bracket at all. Like this this. Region. I really don't like this bracket at all. I mean, I like South Dakota State, but like that's like the only team, and I like Kansas, but like mm. whatever. Let's okay. Let's go into a seven versus ten matchup. We have the seven UC USC Trojans, um, best school in Los Angeles, and then we have uh, the Miami Hurricanes. Jack, let let the uh, Pac-12 hate run through you. Oh, I mean, I hate to say it, but eh, I'm going to start off with some ACC hate. And this is another, like, we, if you listen to our lad podcast, we just went in on Wake Forest, uh, Miami. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yes. I mean, screw this team making the tournament. Uh, you know, they don't, Miami, they don't really turn the ball over. They're 19th in offensive efficiency. But like, this schedule, like, ugh, I don't know. USC is number one in two-point defense. Isaiah Mobley, as much as I hate to say it, is a force on both ends of the, of the floor. I mean, like, did they lose to UCLA twice? Like, yeah. Do I think they're going to beat this Miami team that's super fraudulent? Also, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a couple more pieces on this USC team. Boogie Ellis, transfer from Memphis. I talked about him earlier in the year in my preseason. Um, it's coming full circle, but <laughs> Boogie Ellis has actually lived up to his height this season, just as I expected. Um, and, I mean, Drew Peterson is one of those guys that, like, you encounter him in a, a random game on a neutral site and you're just like, what are we even expecting? Like he's such an anomaly. Um, he gives me like Grayson Allen vibes. Just like <laughs> he's a good Great enough vibe, player to play. Sure. And I don't know about that, but we got USC moving along. Let's go down to Auburn against Jacksonville state. Now Auburn's 
a little bit odd. Uh, <laughs> they have all the talent in the world. Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler. I mean, name a better backcourt. You can't. But their guards have been really on and off. Like, Wendell Green Jr. is is also so hit or miss. Kitty Johnson, hit or miss. Auburn should win this game. But again, like, Jacksonville State, I will say watch out for this. Like, this is, this is, I'm putting, I'm putting Auburn on upset alert. Wow. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, if there's a two seed that's going to lose, I would probably go with this one too. I, I don't think they're going to lose. Jacksonville State's offense, pretty solid. They shoot the three pretty well. Um, We'll, we'll talk about Auburn. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them later. Let's go up. Um, uh, but yeah, we'll move on. <laughs> round of 32. Why, you have notes on Jacksonville State? Uh, they, they shoot well. They're, they're, <laughs> okay. they're well coached. They're well coached. Okay, okay. Uh, one seed Kansas against eight seed San Diego State in the round of 32. I mean, Kansas should get past them pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess this is like a fine – like I've been talking about Kansas. I've been on the Kansas train all year. Okay, Gwaji, Uh Is he like a first team all – I mean, he's definitely been Yeah, really he, he was good. first team. He was first team. Okay. He, he's really good, but – it's really the the other guys that surround him. Christian Braun, uh, Dave McCormick, uh, you know, Mitchell Lightfoot. This team is third in Torvik. They're fifth in offense. They really have no holes. I think this is going to be a Final Four team. Um, you know, I, we'll, we'll we'll talk about each individual we'll matchup. But, we'll there, we'll you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, San Diego, like, we also, this could be Creighton, and we don't know. Like, these teams could give him trouble, but I think Kansas handles Let's move on to our other round of 32 matchup in that pod. We got number five seeded Iowa against 13 seeded South Dakota State. Interesting, interesting matchup here. Um, Iowa I can't think the play game, a, yeah, over-under is going to be set at about 200. Yeah, Iowa can't play a lick of defense. Um, but <laughs> like Keegan Murray, I don't know if there's anyone on South Dakota State to guard Keegan Murray. How about this? This is a stat I didn't really like comprehend because I haven't watched much Big Ten basketball. Keegan Murray is six foot eight and attempted three hundred and eighty three point shots this year. Oh, oh no no Keegan Murray's like a straight up anomaly. Like yeah, uh, he's uh, I mean he's a what a top seven eight NBA draft pick, and then Jordan Bohannon the like eighth year senior. I mean, dude's got to settle down and start a family at this point. But yeah, um, I feel like we're gonna start talking about Luca Garza again. <laughs> no, but Jordan Bohannon is literally a six year. Um, that's crazy. He's uh, another guy just rain it from three. I mean, two hundred and thirty-one three-point attempts. You know what that is? They got uh, both McCaffrey sons um, are solid. Patrick McCaffrey's a guy who can put in some work. Chris Murray. I mean, dude, they got like so many, so many like siblings on this team. Chris Murray's another guy. I mean, we're not going to make any like Iowa-related like familial jokes, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're, we're going to advance know. Iowa. We're going to advance Iowa. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I mean, we have look, to. Yeah, we have to. But uh, Wisconsin, South Dakota LSU. State, bro. I don't know. They might win. <laughs> we're going to mark the down as another one, like, fringe take. But uh, six-seed LSU against three-seed Wisconsin. Like, I'm honestly not confident Wisconsin can beat a Will Wade-less LSU team. It's a really odd matchup. It's um, a really weird game, yeah. I think LSU wins low key. I like LSU too. I like straight up, like not not much to it. It's just like the <laughs> so against like So so just to be clear, okay. Last year we had LSU losing 
in the second round with Will Wade and Cam Thomas. And this year we've got LSU in our Sweet 16. So basically what I'm hearing is, according to us, Will Wade was the thing holding the team back. Uh, who did they lose to last year? I don't even remember. They lost to Michigan. They lost to Michigan in the round of 32. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. At least, like, but they're playing the most, the worst three seed in, like, recent history instead of, like, a one seed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, LSU. We we got LSU advancing. Roll Tiger. Uh, Sweet 16 matchup in the Midwest region. Number one seeded Kansas Jayhawks against the five seeded Iowa Hawkeyes. Wait, we didn't, we didn't get to USC Auburn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think Auburn matches up pretty well with USC, to be honest. Yeah, I just think they're bigger, stronger, faster. I mean, their, their defense has been really good. They've gotten a lot of blocks. Um, they do foul a lot, but I think that's because of, you know, they're blocking. Uh, and you, you mentioned it. It's just a question of their guard play. Because, like, their big, they're big man stuff, like Walker Kessler's, I mean, been really yeah. good. Jabari Smith clearly, like, might be the number one overall pick. And also, like, by no means is Boogie Ellis, like, a guard that you're worried about on the offensive side. Like, he's not going to stop people. Yeah. I mean, I think Auburn's got a pretty pretty solid path. Okay. Yep. Now let's go back to the Sweet 16 matchup that we were trying to do before. Kansas against Iowa. Um, This is a matchup where I feel like Iowa's just not able to string together two stops in the entire game. And for that reason, I think they'll lose. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, the guard like guard slash wing – I think the wing play is relatively similar. I think the the big man play from Kansas will be, will be you know, like rebounding, yeah. you know, beating the post will, will be the, the just deciding factor. Like I agree. So now let's go to LSU-Auburn. Um, these teams played a lot. So, I mean, you have a lot of data to look at there. Um, I believe – Auburn won two out of the three. I'm not sure. Can you help yeah, me on I'm that one? Yeah, I'm trying to check. Um, but I mean, not yeah. Auburn. Let's see. It looks. Like, I think they only played twice. Yeah, it looks like they played twice actually, and it looks like Auburn. I think Auburn won both. Uh... Oh wait, maybe they only played once. Yeah, they only played once. So I mean, how about this? That. LSU scoring 55 points. Auburn's good. Auburn, I, I agree. I, I think I think Auburn poses a pretty bad matchup for LSU. Okay, Kansas Auburn in the Elite Eight, the one versus two seed in the region. Um, I feel like at this point, if Auburn's making this big of a run, like their guards are gonna be super hot. Like they're gonna be playing yeah. Auburn basketball that we've seen early in the year, and we saw Auburn basketball at its peak. I agree with you, but, like, I also think, like, I can see a scenario where, like, Auburn squeaks by USC and LSU without really playing all that well. Mm. I kind of like Kansas in this one just because okay. Okay. I, I think, like, I, I, don't, I don't think Auburn can, can – they have a couple great defensive pieces that we've mentioned numerous times. But I don't know if they're that good of a defensive unit. And I think Kansas has so many guys, especially even guys coming off the bench, that can hurt you and go off for 15, 20 points. And I like That's fair. That's fair. That's, yep. But I also, I mean, Auburn can hear it. Well, we'll pencil Kansas in. So now we have one more spot for the Final Four. We're almost done. We're almost wrapping it up. But in the East region, the scariest – I don't know if I would call it like – there's just teams 
that are all pretty tough in this region. But Baylor against Norfolk State. Um, Baylor is the answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll talk about Baylor. But yeah, we will. Norfolk's efficiency numbers have not been that bad for a 16 seed. I think they could be a 15, but I agree. I like, I like Baylor for sure. Okay. North Carolina against Marquette. Um, I actually do like both these teams. Uh, Marquette plays a different style than UNC. Marquette's going to get up in your face. They're going to press. They're going to basically force you to uh, turn the ball over, which North Carolina does frequently. But I think Armando Baycott for North Carolina is the difference maker in this one. Um, as much as I like Justin Lewis on Marquette, I just feel like I have a little bit more trust in North Carolina's offensive efficiencies than Marquette. Yeah, uh, the one, two things that jump out at me. One is I agree on the figures. I think the thing that will decide this game for sure is that UNC is second in defensive rebounding, largely because of Armando Baycott. Marquette, ready for these rebounding stats? 325 in offensive rebounding and 304 in defensive rebounding. That's Mm -hmm. heinous. I know, like, they play super fast, which is kind of why. UNC is three and eight in quad one, which is not very good. Shaka Smart, I believe, is the third team he's taken in the NCAA tournament. Is he the only coach yeah. to ever take three teams in the NCAA tournament? Uh, I'm not sure, but oh, here's Patino. Maybe right? he, here's here's your like Iona, Louisville, Iona, and Patino coached Kentucky too. I think Kentucky, yeah, right. Okay, so yeah, whatever. Shaka Smart's done a good job in his first year. I think UNC wins. I agree. So I'll move North Carolina along. Uh, five-seeded St. Mary's against the winner of the Wyoming versus Indiana play-in game. I guess we can give a mini prediction for who's going to win the play-in game. I've got Wyoming. Um, See, I liked Wyoming too. And then I saw the most insane stat I saw all day, that Indiana is ranked 23rd in Torvald efficiency. Like, yeah, what? but – Where the hell they, did that come from? They played some bad teams. But they played in the Big Ten. They played a lot of good teams. They played a lot of they, very mid teams. And they've lost to good teams a lot. Their record is not very good. I think Wyoming is eh. I mean, I was a little bit – I thought – I think I might have watched the game and was more impressed than when I actually looked through the record and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of think St. Mary's beats either of these teams. They're fourth in defensive rebounding. They're very good defensively, which, again, maybe it's because they're in that whatever conference they're in. Uh, but they basically never shoot free throws. They play very slow. They play a very interesting style. Uh, that is really reliant on how well they are able to suffocate defensively. Um, you know, the WCC conference tournament was really early, uh, so they're going to be very rested. The other team just played one game, which, again, we talked about the whole, like, playing game, maybe they win, whatever. I like St. Mary's. I agree. Um, I like St. Mary's against both these teams. Now let's move on to the four-seed UCLA against 13-seed Akron. After – much more research. I found out that Akron probably shouldn't be a 13 seed. Um, I don't even think they're the best team in the MAC this year. They were. Like, they were ranked fourth going into the term. Yeah, this is a pretty easy matchup for UCLA. Um, you could talk about them later in their second round matchup, but let's move on to six seed Texas against 11 seed Virginia Tech. Sorry, the other thing about Akron, I agree they're the worst 13 seed. I just want to say that they have no quad one wins. They have four quad three losses and two quad four losses. This was a bid steal. But they have won eight games in a row. So 
I don't know. But yeah, we'll talk about UCLA later. Let's talk about Texas BC. Yeah, and so let's go on to uh to, yeah, Texas, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech won the ACC tournament basically um the only reason why they're in. I believe they wouldn't have been in without that last win against Duke. Texas has had problems throughout the year. But when it's all said and done, I think Timmy Allen and Andrew Jones are guys who can will their team to victory. Chris Beard's a good coach. Um, he's done a like probably like a what C plus job this year as coach of Texas. Had a lot of I believe I had Texas ranked as my top team in the preseason Big Twelve rankings, but they still got talent. Um, they still got a good defensive scheme. Like they they really struggle from the three point range, but Virginia Tech to me isn't as strong as a lot of these other teams in the field. You know, I think I like Virginia Tech in this one for a lot of reasons. I think this is an interesting crispier team and different than we've seen at Texas Tech. This is a super slow playing Texas team, which is interesting. They are sneaky, ranked 15th in Torvik. Uh, They force a lot of turnovers in the Big 12, which is interesting. They do foul a lot. They've lost three straight. And I think they've lost 11 times to succeed. Like, the talent, I agree, is there. In the preseason, I thought it was the Final Four team. Now, I'm thinking they might lose to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is third in three-point percentage. They also play very slowly. They just beat Duke to win the ACC. They beat UNC. They beat Notre Dame. This team's hot. I mean, that's three tournament teams they beat in a row. They shoot the three well. They're going to play slow. It's going to be a half-court game. I don't know. I like Virginia Tech. Mm. What do we pick? You want to pick Texas? I'm picking Texas. All right, I'll take that. I like Texas. Right. Like, somebody's going to be right a lot. <laughs> Somebody is going to be right for a lot of these matchups. But let's move on to three-seed Purdue against 14-seed Yale. Um, Yale, again, like, I don't even think they're the best team in the Ivy League either. Princeton was a much better squad. But that's a story for a different day. But um, Purdue's going to win. I mean, Zach Eady, Jay and Ivy. Okay. This, this is a very, very uninspiring game. I'm yeah, I, I, this is not a 14-seed. Um, now, maybe my favorite first-round matchup in the entire tournament. Seven-seed Murray State with, what, I believe 30 wins? Yeah, and that, 30 and 2. And going up against the West Coast Conference runner-ups, San Francisco Dons, another sick name. But um, both these teams, I'm so mad because – they shouldn't have to play each other. Like, both these teams deserve to move on to the round of 32. And, like, I would say that they're good enough to do so. 100%. I want to give the slight edge to San Francisco just because I think that their efficiencies have been a little bit more consistent. But, again, like, a 30-win team is nothing to overlook. Yeah. I like San Francisco, too. I think this is maybe the best game. Um you know, any team that wins 30 games deserves the seed they get. Murray State's only played three quad one games, one of which was only a 13-point loss to Auburn on the road. This team beat Memphis. They hammered a solid Long Beach State team by, get this, 37. They beat Chattanooga, who you love. They're impressive all around. San Francisco is also a very good team. They just lost to Gonzaga by solely 10 points. They're more battle-tested. They've played 10 quad one games, including the best team in the country three times. Um, they're much better than their 24-9 and nine in the WCC efforts, in the WCC sense. 
you know, Murray State, they're good. They, they play good three-point defense. They offensive rebound very well. They're 19. I mean, San Francisco is 19th in Torvik, but a 10 seed? What the heck? Uh, yeah, let's, let's move on. But, ooh, it pains me. Yeah, and then we got our final first-round matchup. Yeah, two-seed Kentucky against St. Peter's, also known as the Peacocks. Um, St. Peter's is, is terrible. Um, they're, they're, ab- they're absolutely really awful. They're, they're really as, as you can give I don't a, get this. How do you put some of these teams in 16 seed? But 15 ranked St. Peter's, get this. They're 0 4 in quad 1 and 2. They lost to a team called Kinesis. This is not a real oh, Kinesis. Kinesis. Yeah. I, I don't know. They're, in, they're sixth in field goal defense, but they turn the ball over a lot. And I think they're only sixth because they play against like. You know, Glenbard West or whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. We'll talk more about Kentucky in the second round, but let's go back. Okay. Round of 32, one seeded Baylor against AC North Carolina. Really interesting matchup here. Um, Baylor's had some injury issues. Uh, LJ Cryer, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to go at this point. He might, he might not. Uh, this is I I really can't. If if there's gonna be a one seed, who I think has the best chance to lose, in the round of thirty two, I would say it's Baylor, and not just because I think Marquette and North North Carolina are good, but because I think Baylor is just not at the level that we're used to seeing. Yeah, I mean, Baylor I has like consistently Baylor, played at a high level. They they have no flaws in their team, in my opinion. But I don't think they really have. Like I think that like that's the thing. Like they're they're good, but they're they're not like super elite. Like they're pretty balanced. They're like top you know ten in offense, top twenty in defense. Maybe they turn the ball over a little too much. They're ten and five in quad one. They started off fifteen and zero, but they've been eleven and six since, including a home loss to Oklahoma State. I just they just no loss on a neutral court to Oklahoma. You know, I, like I don't think this team will really lose to any teams they they like should beat. But like, I don't know. I don't think they have a legit shot of the national title like the rest of the countries do. I mean, what do, what do you I think? Agree. I agree. I I think Baylor. I think Baylor's gonna win. I think they win, but like, I don't like. I don't like him one bit. No. Um. Let's look at the next round of thirty-two game: St. Mary's, UCLA, two West Coast teams. Uh. I think that UCLA has a more balanced scoring attack. I don't know if St. Mary's has like consistent enough offense to match up with a team like UCLA who has three or four options at all times on the floor. Yeah, I think it really comes down to just the scores. Like St. Mary, like they, like UCLA has finally figured it out. St. Mary's is not going to score more than sixty points in this game. And I think all UCLA needs to do. Is Johnny Juzang needs to hit like five mid-range shots, and Hawkes needs to put back like three, like you know, offensive rebounds for, for you know layups, and like this, like they're they're gonna beat St. Mary's. Like I think even uh, besides the three and four, uh, you know, options they have in their starting lineup, there are guys that like if you know Juzang, Jules Bernard are not hitting those mid-range shots, guys like Kaiman and Singleton can come off the bench and make threes. Will Nick Cronin, you know, do that? I think I hope so. I'm not totally sure, 
we were up 15 on Arizona, who we both agree is one of the best teams in the country. We choked because Arizona's really good, and we had five minutes of offensive struggles, which is all an elite team like Arizona needs to beat you. But we played well in the conference tournament. UCLA's 10th in the Torbic rankings. Peyton Watson hasn't really been the offensive presence. I wish he could be, but he's great defensively, uh, and, and I, I think he's I agree. I agree. We're moving UCLA along. Uh, other matchups, uh, six-seeded Texas against three-seeded Purdue. To me, Purdue is so potent on offense. Um, this team has been a team that we've talked about as a Final Four contender for, seems like, forever now. Um, and they've had some slight hiccups midway through the season. But to, it, feels like, it feels like no one's talking about Purdue. Which is odd because I mean, it, I feel like a lot of that because people are talking about Iowa. I don't know. Yeah, but like Purdue was once ranked, I believe, number one for like a few weeks. Purdue in the is country. number one in offensive efficiency currently over Gonzaga, over Arizona. I, I feel like there's there's something going on here. Like there, there's some Purdue mass is, Purdue is hysteria. Purdue is fourth in field goal percentage. They're fourth in free free percentage. We know who this team is. It's Jay Nivey. It's Zach Eady. It's Matt Painter. This team had a great Big Ten tournament. They lost to the super hot Iowa team because Iowa, like, can't – I mean, they, they keep accidentally putting the ball in the basket. Um, not accidentally. You know what I mean. Purdue doesn't really force turnovers. But, you know, offensively, they're so good. They're going to be – Yep, so we're moving Purdue along to the Sweet 16. Now let's look at the 10-seeded San Francisco Dons going up against Kentucky. Tough matchup for San Francisco, I will admit. Oscar Sheway, I mean, he just, he just makes light work of, like, these teams who don't have super athletes down low, which, I mean, San Francisco is really guard-oriented. Kentucky should should move along here. But it, it could get interesting just due to the fact that Kentucky's guards are so inconsistent the entire season. Yeah, there, there, there's a type of team to beat Kentucky, and this is not it. Um, yep. I agree they move on. But quickly – what about Murray State? You think they've got, you know, if they move on, what, what's their matchup against Kentucky? I think Murray State could give Kentucky some problems. Um, Murray State, unlike San Francisco, actually does uh, pride itself in terms of their, uh, at least, I mean, K.J. Williams, dude. Like, K.J. Williams is, is 6'10", averaging 18 points a game, uh, eight rebounds. I mean, that he, that's no Oscar Sheway, but, like, he can do it a little bit. He also has taken 103 point attempts, which if you're going to be Kentucky, you want to get Oscar Sheway out of the paint. Yeah, so, that makes a lot of sense. You can look at so, that. I just, I don't if think. If San Francisco beats Murray State, I think Kentucky's going to beat them. If, if Murray State beats San Francisco, I think we have, there's a discussion. Yeah. I agree. But as of now, we're moving Kentucky along. Okay, Sweet 16 matchup. Number one seed Baylor against four seed UCLA. I like UCLA in this game. I'll let you explain why. Yeah, I mean, I do too. I covered most of it in this last, talking about the last round. I mean, the other things, like UCLA does not turn the ball over, uh, which is like one of Baylor's strengths with forced turnovers. Tiger Campbell has like, I think the best assist to turnover ratio besides maybe Gillespie out of any point guard in the whole country. This team has turned experience from their final four run last year. Baylor, like obviously they won last year, but like how many of those guys came back? Any? Like, Barely any. Flagler, Matthew Meyer, um, Tom Achachua, who's injured. I mean, yeah, but like not injured. the guys that matter, you know? Like, I don't know. I, I think UCLA is like 
a better team than they were last year when they made the final four. A much better team than they were last year. Um, yeah, I, I think I think I think we do. I, this is a great match. Like people, people, a lot of like sorry to go off on this, but like a lot of UCLA people like on Twitter got real on that. Like oh, this, this side of you know this bracket's really not like good for us. Like I don't know, they're good teams, but I think like you know if our matchups are Akron, St. Mary's, and then Baylor, like that's all cruising really. Good. I don't know. I agree. So we're moving UCLA along. Uh, our last spot in the Elite Eight here, Purdue against Kentucky. Um, I don't know what your opinions are, but in my years watching college basketball on March Madness, I always seem to feel that there's one team who starts off as the like a, a Final Four favorite who ends up going through a rough patch, and then they end up as a three or a four seed, and all of a sudden everyone forgets about them. Okay, Purdue is still elite. They their defensive metrics aren't that good, but like, give me what a forty minute game of basketball, and Purdue's gonna win more often than not against anyone. I don't know. I I think I think Purdue is a really like tough team to play if you're Kentucky, because Zach Eady's there. Like, imagine the work Oscar Chibwe has to do against Zach Eady. And Travion Williams. They have guys who can take up fouls. Like, that's so important. Jaden Ivey is going to be the best player in the game. I just think it is so awesome and rewarding and perfect after the entire year that began with an argument between you and I over who's the best team in the Big Ten or even the best three teams in the Big Ten. And you were so sure with Michigan – and I was so sure of Purdue. So now here you wax poetic about how everyone is underappreciating Purdue and how they will be a Elite Eight Final Four team. I agree with you. I agree with you. Listen. I think Kentucky has been very good. Chibway, National Player of the Year, no question in my mind. I think their wing and guard play has been very inconsistent, which we've talked about for two hours now. That is not a good recipe for making it past the Sweet 16. I like three-seeded Purdue versus four-seeded UCLA. In the I mean, oh. I'll admit, I'll admit when I'm wrong. I was, I was wrong earlier in the year. You're um, a better man than me. I am. See, listen, you talk, you go all, all these talking. No, heads, no, these... I admit when I'm, if I'm wrong, but I'm just not wrong here, so it's hard. Okay, um, I'm gonna start off with this matchup. This is gonna be an awesome game, UCLA Purdue. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to the fact that Purdue has enough bodies to basically cycle around. And UCLA has depth, which is why they run a lot of teams out of the gym. But I think that Purdue has the size, size, the shooting, the athleticism, the transition play. I mean, not the defense, because the defense is really terrible. But I mean, UCLA's defense isn't something to write home about either. Like, it's solid, but it's not like elite. Johnny I, I, th- I think Purdue wins in a shootout. I agree with you. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's just like our big, like, it sucks because Cody Riley is supposed to be some NBA prospect, but like our bigs are just not been there, really. And like, it's just like we just cannot guard seven foot six back. Like, it's just going to be a problem. And like, Jay, like, our best player offensively, for sure, Johnny Juzang. He cannot guard Jaden Ivey, and he's going to have, like, 
They're not gonna put like I mean how tall is Jaden Ivey? Like six four, six five? I think he's six four. I mean, they're not gonna put like six nine Hawkins on and they're not gonna put five ten Tiger on him, which means he's gonna be garbage using he's gonna score thirty points. And we're gonna lose, which sucks. But I'm if UCF makes the Elite Eight, I'll be happy. Okay, now we got our final four set. Let's go through these last couple of matchups. Let's start off in our matchup between one seed Gonzaga against Purdue. Um, man, man, this is, I would love, by the way, if this is our final four, Gonzaga, Purdue, Villanova, Kansas. Oh my God. Like, it's also like hilarious that we just picked like an awesome final four. Like, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Teams like, like everyone's awesome. You know. Um, I think Gonzaga would win this game. Just be again, like transition defense is really bad for Purdue and Gonzaga might be the best transition offense of all time in college basketball. So yeah. I'm leaning towards Gonzaga. I like Gonzaga too. I mean, it, it, like Purdue, like this is going to be a great run. If it happens, like this is the end of the road. It's just like when you like that, Edie, he's great. Can you imagine him trying to get out on the perimeter to guard Chet Holmgren? I mean, obviously that probably would not be the matchup in that situation, but then it's like, what is like Travion Williams is like trying to guard a quick seven one? I mean, I don't know. And then like, yeah, them hard and like this can like this can them boys different for real. All right, let's go on to the other matchup. I think Villanova Kansas is a better game, and and this game is, ooh, I mean that's a game. I I'll, I'll say right away. Like I've been riding Villanova for this entire time. I really think that kind of like Purdue. I mean they're they're two high seeded teams that are somehow like being left out i don't know why because analytics show that these are two of the best teams in the country but to me kansas has a more balanced team than or what am i saying villanova has the more balanced team of course but villanova has the more balanced team than kansas um i don't think that kansas has enough front court depth to go up against like a quick fast going to draw fouls type team like Besides David McCormick, who else does Kansas really have to go to um, in terms of front court depth? No Jalen one. Wilson. He's like, a win. I don't know. Like I, I like Villanova. I mean, again, if we get this matchup in the Final Four, like such a treat. I probably would take Kansas, um, you know, just because, like, that's been my team, like, this year. And like forever, everything we've talked about, but like you can't tell me the spread in this game isn't going to be one and a half. I mean, like this is, I, I, like, as good of a game as we're going to get the entire year, in my opinion. So I don't know. What What do you want? I would like Kansas. You like Villanova. I mean, I I don't feel crazy strongly. So if you want to take Villanova, we can. I'm going to take Villanova just because I feel like a Villanova Gonzaga matchup is just like crazy. All right, cool. fair enough. Fair enough. Championship game, Gonzaga, Villanova. Um, Gonzaga came into the season, favorites to win it all. Villanova also came into the season, one of the favorites to win it all. But this seems to me like after everything that happened last year with like the collapse that Gonzaga had and with how they reloaded, this feels like a situation where Gonzaga is almost like destined to win. You know... I mean, I agree with you. Like, I agree they're a better team. I think they're a better team than they were last year. I, I mean, I don't know. Suggs, it's like, it's, 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 Suggs is so good. He was so good. 
he like really led that team. And now the team is really like before it was like he was the guy, and then the bigs were like, you know, the way they hurt you like a secondary option. Now it's like they go through the bigs, which is a huge problem for most teams. But Villanova, if there is a team to beat Gonzaga, I think it's defensive powerhouse, old old veteran led by Colin Gillespie. You know, Villanova, what they win, 2019? I, I'm okay with taking Villanova as my national champion. Deal. And you know what? I, I Listen, like, there's a lot of statistics that show that actually, like, the number one overall seed doesn't win it as much as people think. I like having Villanova as the pick. You know what? I mean, that's like, a great if, it was, if it was Gonzaga, Kansas, I would take Gonzaga. Like, Gonzaga, like, that's a good match. Like, you would not agree that's not a good matchup for them? Oh, my I God. Yeah. Dude, Vill- dude. Oh, I like Villanova. Like, the more we're talking through all these teams, the more I'm like, Villanova is so underrepresented in, like, everything surrounding college basketball. I think the short list of teams that can, come, like, match up well with Gonzaga is, like, Villanova, Auburn. I mean, like, I don't know anybody else. Arizona, maybe. I think I think Tennessee can match up well with Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. Like, it, but it's like if Gonzaga loses, it will be one of these veteran teams, the veteran defensively focused teams. Period. In my opinion, I think you agree. All okay. right, let's do it. After whistle sports champion, national champion, Villanova Wildcats. Got it. Wow. And again, thanks everyone for listening. I know this is like an absolute marathon so of long, an episode. Um, yeah, try to. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed. I had a lot of fun recording. Oh yeah, this is a ton of fun. Um, we maybe will do like a, a an update after the first few games. I'm gonna be really busy next week, so that might not happen until a little bit later. Maybe but... we can do like a final four, like wrap up. Slash, yeah, um, but if you want, if you want a lot of quicker updates, maybe on like Friday over the weekend, uh, make sure to. Follow our um, Twitter. I believe the Twitter handle is just after the whistle sports. So check that out. Again, thanks for listening. I hope everyone has a great time watching all the games. We're super excited. I know you guys are too. Again. So all that being said, Bruins National Championship. Nah, nah. Go go blue. Thanks for listening. (laughs) See y'all next week. See ya.